is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you had an awesome weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, middle of August. Lots of football to talk about. Some baseball on the weekend and a big weekend for tennis coming up in Manitoba that we will be talking about as well. Big CFL recap coming up with Justin Dunk. And we'll hit the Bombers and Jets with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. And a little bit later on, Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba will fill us in on the new Tennis Manitoba hub in West St. Paul, as well as the National Bank Challenger Tournament that is underway right now with qualifying and the first round gets going tomorrow. So uh, should be a real fun show. Um, we'll get Remus in here in just a second. Do want to thank the sponsors that make the show happen every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech and Modern Man Barbershop, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ, Consolidated Supply, BP, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, our friends at Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, live racing tonight, and of course, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Great weekend for the Gold Eyes. Reggie Abercrombie event on Friday was unreal. The bats came along celebrating Reggie with uh, a lot of long balls. And of course, the bark at the park on Saturday. Just another awesome, awesome event. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. Welcome to everybody in chat, by the way. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And shout out to all the podcast listeners as well. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. Check out the YouTube channel and subscribe when you get an opportunity. Remo, what's going on? How was your uh, How was your operation the last couple of days? Yeah, it was nice to have uh, a couple of days off. Uh, the weekend went to, out to the beach. You know, started off kind of rainy, but it ended up being a really nice day. And uh, yeah, just a solid uh, weekend for me. And happy to be back here. Get back at it. We actually have we do have a lot to discuss that I can't wait to get to. So. Uh, nice to see you here on a Monday. Yeah, uh, back at it. And again, thanks again to the Gold Eyes for, um, you know, the uh, the invite to interview Reggie Abercrombie as part of the luncheon on uh, on Friday. That was, uh, I mean, listen, that was an honor to be part of, uh, just to be in the room, frankly. I mean, there were so many um, folks from, you know, Gold Eyes history there, uh, obviously media over the years and, um, and anyone that remembered our shows back on the old station knows how uh, much I always clicked with Reggie Abercrombie. So that was that was fun. And I mean, just an awesome first class um, celebration of Reggie's career by Andrew and the uh, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes team and a heck of a weekend there for the fish uh, at home as well. So that was a lot of fun. You know what I did do, Reem, just before we get to the sports, mm-hmm. um, in addition to uh, seeing what was happening at the ballpark. Uh, I did take in some of the Burt Block Party on Saturday night. Nice. And you saw, uh, Will, I saw on your Instagram, William Talent. Yes, William Talent. Shout out Rick Ralph, who uh, would always call Billy Talent William Talent uh, when, we were, uh, when we were off the air. Mm-hmm. Um, man, those guys still have it. Just an awesome, awesome show. And I'll say this. I got down there a little later than I was uh, had hoped for because... Uh, I was waiting for someone to uh, to grab me in an Uber and get down there. But, I mean, we got there just into the Billy Talent set. And I got to tell you, man, 
downtown Winnipeg was a scene around there. Um, there were tons of people that actually weren't in the event that were just in and around the streets. And listen, I know downtown Winnipeg gets a gets a bad rap, and a lot of that is earned. And we've got some major issues that uh, I think we all hope can be improved going forward. But I'll tell you what, it was really, really cool to see so many people downtown on an absolutely beautiful night in a great, great venue essentially outside just in the uh, in the shadows of the bird hotel seeing a great canadian band and uh talked to so i've been ran into a bunch of people and i mean it, it listen when people come up and say what's up us at like bomber games or or jet games i mean obviously we always appreciate it um but that's sort of our our demo right i mean we're a sports show at the sport i was blown away by the amount of people that came up and said hi at the billy talent show which was great a little bit of a younger demo as well so shout out to eric and all the uh fellows that uh, that popped by and said hi there uh, but yeah it was um it was really really fun this show was awesome and um i know that this was um they had the strumbellas and whatnot it was friday night um, this was the the Saturday night was headlined by Billy Talent. There's a couple more events coming up next week, and they'll actually maintain the footprint of the event throughout the entire week downtown. So uh, shout out to everyone, and I know the True North Gang was there. Oh, and I have to give a shout out to Kevin Donnelly, and KD. Uh, you'll know is the you know, vice president. He essentially does all of the uh, ancillary events, um, the uh, like the non hockey events for True North. And I've known Kevin a long time, but I I, I just wanted to mention this um, because, you know, sometimes True North gets a bad rap or whatnot. There's a lot of really good people there. And at the end of the program, this is a guy that, you know, probably in a lot of other venues, so the person that's doing his job isn't even there at that night. There was Kevin at the end of the night at the exit thanking everybody for coming in, talking to people. It was... Um, Anyway, just I've always been a fan of his, and I know he's got a busy night tonight because WWE Raw is invading the Canada Life Centre. Um, but overall, cool, cool event. Highly recommend if any of the acts on the uh, docket for the upcoming weekend catch your fancy, go down and check it out. It was a great crowd. I didn't see any BS. I don't know fights, no anything. People just having a good time. And and you know what? It is great that. True North continues to put events like this on downtown. I mean, uh, to be honest, maybe the Saturday one was a bit more of a moneymaker than the others. I'm not even sure there is, but there is a real focus to get programming downtown and bring people downtown in addition to uh, the hockey games and everything that happens to the rink. So uh, very, very cool night on Saturday. I'm glad I went. Yeah, it was a big uh, Strumbella's guy. They played Friday. I do have to give a shout out. I was, at a sh I was actually at the Burt... Um, Thursday for a big show. wasn't part of the block party, but Steve Vai, uh, you know, guitar virtuoso, just two and a half straight hours of shredding. So uh, you went to that? Yeah, oh yeah, he was man. He just ripped I, it. I remember you saying you were going to go. How did that not come up on Friday's show? Well, I didn't want people to know that I uh, watched the bomber game on tape. So I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't. It was the same time as the bomber game. So. I didn't. I didn't bring it up, but I was at. But it was a, a nice. It wasn't part of the block party, but it's a great lead-in, and you know, saw the stage set up and, and everything. Hey, this is even better. Yeah. What was it like watching the bomber game on tape? Well, I mean, <laughs> a lot, a lot better. You know, knowing what happened. I mean, don't get me wrong. I looked at my phone. Um, I guess when it was before halftime, and I was like, e, and I was like, ready to basically take. I was like, oh, I thought I made a complete fool of myself. 
the week before, anointing them champions of the West after the BC win. <laughs> but uh, I felt very, I felt very good uh, on the way on the ride home, listening to uh, the. Thankfully, the Uber driver had the game on on the radio, so uh, he got a bit of a. It was, that was a big bonus for me. Got to hear the ending. Steve Vai, yeah, that's right. I remember you telling me you were all fired up to go see that uh, that shred fest. Man, he just did a, he just soloed for two and a half hours. It was wild. <laughs> oh, people are ripping uh, me that I laughing that I missed the bomber game. But look, I saw the game. I saw it. I just didn't experience it in real time. And that was yeah. yeah and that wasn't the only lie from Friday's show where we re- pre-recorded it and then I came on. People were very confused, Huss, <laughs> that you were at the. You were at the Gold Eyes luncheon Friday. At the same we, time. Yeah, Friday was quite the day. And I will say that. I mean, we had to get up. And I had a, uh, I mean, obviously, with the way the Bomber game ended, it didn't start very well. It ended quite well. Um, I was out with a bunch of friends watching the game and uh, had a good time. And then we had to turn that sucker around very quickly to do our intro to interview Ken and then get down for just after 11 a.m. So yeah, we did that show in a couple halves. Thank God there was no massive breaking news over the course of the first hour, but uh, we are live here today getting things going on on Monday. And speaking of the Bombers, we'll talk more about this with Dunk and with Hamilton coming up, Um, but I think the news that I was most interested in and everyone was was the status of Zach Caleros and um, Zach Caleros did not practice today. He was out there in civvies with the team right now. Obviously, we'll be waiting for more clarity as it is, becomes available from the Winnipeg Football Club. But, um, you know, as much as it was an unbelievable game uh, and everyone was talking about Drew Brown, um, you'd really like to get some good news on Zach that he's going to be back. But I will say this, Remo, and I told you this off air on Friday, just watch. It did not take long for the QB controversy tweets and you text sent me messages. One. I sent you one, and then I will say this. I'm not going to out the person that said this to me, but I was in a conversation with another real-life human, Winnipeg guy, friend of mine, who legitimately said to me, you know what? They might have to start thinking about potentially moving Zach in the offseason because they're going to lose Drew Brown. And I'm like, guys, can we pump the brakes a little bit? Uh, Backup came in, did a hell of a job, had an amazing, amazing game. But let's not put uh, Drew Brown just yet on the level of Zach Caleros, who is the back-to-back MOP in the Canadian Football League um, for ripping apart an Elks team that hasn't won a game yet. I will say, though, just Drew Brown's performance um, was phenomenal, and it is such a great thing for this team going forward. But um, <laughs> everyone always loves the backup, huh? Um, Zach Caleros is the guy for this team. And, uh, I mean, it's not like we have to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I texted some of the guys afterwards, just wait till the QB controversy emerges on Winnipeg Sports Talk next week, and I'll try to keep, my, keep a straight face while talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I joked that on Friday, but that was a complete joke. Like, QB controversy? Zach, who is the headlines? But, man, he's a two-time uh, back-to-back MOP. was on his way. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Uh, I think he's going to stick around. This is his team, no question. And you were sending me uh, some of the hot takes on social media, people saying, we got we got to can't give up Drew Brown. Now, I don't, I don't think this is like, a, like Bledsoe. 
Brady situation <laughs> at all. I don't think it's similar. So uh, you got to hold on to Zach and you know, keep going for those breakups. Hey, if you think Zach Caleros has a hot seat because of what Drew Brown did on Thursday, how hot is Trevor Lawrence's seat after the Nathan Rourke show <laughs> in the NFL preseason on Saturday night? What? I mean, listen, that is as great a play as you will see preseason, regular season, playoffs in any league this year. Um, the legend of Nathan Rourke continues to grow, and there was a lot of people south of the border that had no idea who he was. They sure as hell do now after that play that was immediately viral, tweeted out by Patrick Mahomes as well as it was compared to Mahomes. Um, what a hell of a start for Nathan Rourke with the Jags in his first preseason game. Yeah, this was his first game action since the end of uh, the CFL season because, uh, sorry, the West Final because he's, you know, I guess hasn't really played, but um, look, he was fully healthy. I mean, this play where he shakes off a couple defenders and as he's getting tackled, you can see in this picture, being dragged down, finds a way to still make the touchdown throw. Absolutely incredible play. Uh, totally broke social media. You're, you know, calling me about it. You know, we have listeners tweeting at us. Um, Patrick Mahomes, or who was it, tweeter? If Patrick Mahomes did this, the internet would break. And then Patrick Mahomes is retweeting. Oh my God, this play is absolutely insane. And, uh, you know, we talked with Farhan a couple weeks ago how he's kind of hasn't really had a chance to, you know, not really getting much of an opportunity that he thought, you know, the CJ Beathard's the backup. But he's, you know, third string, got some time, and he's certainly impressed. Listen to these numbers here uh, from the preseason game. Nathan Rook, 9 of 17, 153 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and also used the legs for six carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown. And it was Quadri Olison uh, who was on the receiving end of that touchdown pass that went completely viral. And seems like everyone now knows who Nathan Rook is. And if he doesn't catch on with the Jags, there might be some other teams who would be interested because, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be their guy uh, for years going forward. And the only way he's ever going to get in is. Are we sure? Are we sure? Zach Caleros, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, who's, who's got a hotter seat right now? I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess did Drew Brown go viral? I mean, he went pretty viral, Nathan Rourke. So maybe Trevor Lawrence's seat is, is a bit hotter. Hey, hey I'll say this about, about uh, Rourke and, th- and I'm not joking about this, that play alone probably earned him a few million bucks, probably guaranteed that he will be in the National Football League for an extended period of time beyond this contract. <laughs> because assuming that he doesn't play, uh, as I mean, as long as Trevor Lawrence is upright and available to go, he's going to be the guy. That piece of tape will be so bloody tempting for other teams to take a look at um, that he's going to always have that. And they will always be interested in Nathan Rourke. And listen, I think he deserves it. Um, I think he's absolutely capable of being a backup and potentially running an offense in the national football league. But when you get the opportunity, there's very limited live bullets, you know, live action for players in a guy like Rourke situation. And man, when everyone in the National Football League is talking about you and everyone knows who you are and then saw what you're capable of doing, if it doesn't happen in Jacksonville, 
um, there might be some other teams that maybe didn't sign him earlier that are looking to get him. And you know what's funny? I was watching the Chiefs and Saints yesterday. And the Chiefs had a young guy, Bukley, that was uh, was the uh, was, was playing at QB, and he had a heck of a game with a couple touchdown passes. And I was kind of comparing that situation. Um, you know, they've got Blaine Gabbard as the as the backup, uh, much like C.J. Beathard's there in uh, in in Jacksonville. And I mean, Bukley and and um, and Rourke um, have just so much potential and so much opportunity, like. I, Listen, I mean, both of those teams are going nowhere, I don't think, if their starting quarterbacks are out. But I really do think it makes a lot of sense for those guys to be given a legitimate shot for number two reps, getting the number two reps in practice and turning them in. So, listen, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the NFL preseason, but week one had some interesting games, but most importantly, interesting performances from some young players. We saw Stetson Bennett, who, of course, was the... Um, was the man with the Georgia Bulldogs get some action there. So um, anyways, we'll get to all of that a little bit later on. It did remind me though, Remus, we're going to have to start getting some fantasy football content in over the next couple of weeks before uh, we start drafting in this slow time for hockey talk. Yeah. You got to start thinking. If you're not already planning your fantasy football draft, get on it now. When the season starts after Labor Day, I know a lot of people who do it like Labor Day weekend, maybe the Monday or something, but uh, got got to get your ducks in the row. You know, start reading those uh, rankings sheets and and know because it is less than a month away till NFL season here. As yeah, we are kind of in the slow uh, summer period. Although we did have a little bit of hockey news today. Well, we did. By the way, Dom Zappia, what up, Dom? Um, has there ever been a play from the NFL showed on a CFL jumbotron during a CFL? That's a good game? question. Great question. Probably no, and. Uh, very cool to see that video of VA and the rest of the Lions seeing what their old teammate was doing as everyone was talking about it around this sporting world. Yes, you mentioned uh, a little bit of hockey news, and this is no surprise, but David Krejci has uh, officially retired, joining Patrice Bergeron, top two centers from the Boston Bruins, gone. Um, and again, I don't think we really need to get into it because God knows we've talked enough about this, but it wasn't a surprise that shortly after that, a guy like Pete Blackburn, who's very tied into uh, the Boston Bruins, was tweeting out pictures of Mark Shifley in a Boston Bruins jersey. All that being said, it's fun to speculate. I, I think my stance is pretty clear that unless Connor Hellebuck is traded, I don't see a path to a trade that makes sense or that is possible between the Bruins and the Winnipeg Jets for Mark Shifley. Yeah, this was the tweet from Pete Blackburn, uh, you know, I don't know if he covers the Bruins, but he's a Boston guy. He's with Bally Sports. I think he still is. I mean, they're pretty... I don't know what their situation is with him. Anyways, he's NHL media personality from Boston. There he is, Mark tweeting on Mark Shafley in a Bruins jersey. And we talked about it with Joe Haggerty after Bergeron retired that there wasn't really a match to be made in terms of a trade. So the Bruins can you know think of... Oh, all the these guys they want to be their center, whether it's Shafley or Lindholm, they've traded a lot of their picks. They don't have a lot of futures. And like are they looking to give up a, a current player? They don't have like that young player like uh Gabe Velarde that LA did with a number of other guys. They're kind of on the downswing here, the Bruins. So I don't know if there's a a matchup. But I will say, like what like what took these guys so long and did these guys, Bergeron and Crazy, kind of screw over the team? Uh, by taking so long to announce the retirement. I, I imagine they had to know. Um, 
they, you know, those guys did help out yeah. the Bruins by taking what the we men- were at the draft. I mean, we were talking to everybody that you know that was tied in with Boston that said this team is operating as if those guys aren't coming back. Um, and and I see Schickster Huss did Pittsburgh not teach you anything? Three team trade. Who needs a goalie? I'll say this. I, and this is part of the reason I think we talked so much about that trade last week is because it was very creative and it was unique. We don't see those a lot. Um, you know, that maybe that's another door. That being said, it is really, really tough to uh, tough to pull off. By the way, I see people in chat mentioning this. Can you pull that picture up again for a second, Remus? Like uh, the, yeah. the, the Shifley. I'm not sure what the original picture of that was, whether that was his Jets headshot last year. Yeah. But he, that that he is not in a good mood there. Uh, that was uh, he looks. No one likes having their picture legitimately taken. Legitimately pissed off. <laughs> well, because they photoshopped a Bruins jersey on him. Of course, he'd be pissed <laughs> off. He's born. He's number one Jets draft pick. As he's born a Jet, and someone wrote, uh, "Brass Bonanza wrote poor journalism." There, I don't think anyone is calling this this. Journalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, Come on, that, that ain't, Come on that brass bonanza. Like this is uh, <laughs> called a meme. Um. So, anyways, um. Listen, uh, you've talked about Swayman or Allmark. If Hellebuck's gone, absolutely, the Jets would need another goalie. Those guys would be good to do that. Um. The loss of Mark Shifley has a huge hole. If you could get a center coming back for Connor Hellebuck, maybe that makes the Shifley dra- trade make sense. But for everybody talking about Brandon Carlo who, if you made this trade earlier, would have been a guy I think the Jets would have certainly targeted. He's got a 10-team trade list, uh, 10-team no trade right now. Based on what we know about contracts in the National Hockey League, I think it's safe to say that that might be a roadblock to getting a Brandon Carlo. Not to mention, would you love to have Carlo, a good young right defenseman, signed for, I think, another four years at 4.1? Absolutely. Um, This blue line's already... um, already a little crowded right now and if anything we might expect to see a defenseman leave as opposed to acquiring one although for a guy that could be a foundational piece of you know your top four for the next four seasons uh, that would be it but as they say i don't spend a lot of time thinking about brandon carlo just because the minute i saw that no trade clause you realize that that could very well be part of the uh, part of the problem um you know as they say we're going to talk a little bit more cfl uh, we're going to get to the games. We'll do that with Dunk, and we'll do that with um, with uh, Jeff when he joins us later on. And again, tennis fans, we're going to find out more. I'm really excited to find out more about this new Tennis Manitoba hub as well as the uh, tournament that is uh, pretty much underway right now as qualifying continues. Mark aren't coming up a little later on in the program. Um, let's uh, just before we got Justin Dunk is going to be joining us quite quickly and Really looking forward to that. Uh, of course, we've got to give a shout out to uh, our friends at Modern Man Barbershop with eight locations now in the city of Winnipeg, including the newest uh, the the, um, the the newest locations on Pembina Highway and on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershop's got a variety of grooming services for you fellas: haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com or follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Um, congratulations to our two winners. Where are our winners here for the Aquatech Manitoba Open? Uh, shout out to Devin Murphy and Brian Trenchard, who are the winners. Guys, both get three passes 
for the full tournament, courtesy of our friends at Aquatech. Uh, and of course, limited install dates left for Aquatech with uh, pool season here. Visit Aquatech in store or online to learn how they can make your in ground or above ground pool dreams a reality. More info at aqua-tech.ca. Another great weekend here in Manitoba. I know many of you are out at the lakes, out at the uh, campgrounds, out at the beach. Um, of course, batteries are needed for all that summer fun, and Manitoba Battery has it all at the best prices in town. And they'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city for any purchase over over 60 bucks. You need a boat, you need something for your camper, a lawn tractor, ski-doo, ATV, Donnie and the gang have it all. Beat the pants off the big box prices of big box stores when it comes to prices and free delivery in the city. Go to manitobabattery.com, pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue or give them a call. And uh, hey, a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. I know people have been having a hard time finding and buying Canadian Club right now because of the uh, Liquor Mart strike. But you can still get Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and ginger ale and that pre-mixed cocktails at your local liquor store. Check it out in 473 milliliter cans at your favorite beer store and at the MLCC whenever it's open. And of course, it'll be there for you in a couple weeks at IG Field when the Bombers are back as Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, let's bring in Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation to get things going. Dunk, what's up, buddy? How are you? Doing well, my man. How are things out in the peg? Things are well. Pretty nice day. Bombers are back in first place. Everyone's kind of collectively got themselves together after the start of that game against the Elks last week. And um, obviously still some concern for Zach Caleros, but I'll tell you what, when your backup comes in and plays the way Drew Brown did, uh, probably allows people to be a little bit more chill about Caleros' status. He did not practice today. We don't have clarity as to when they might expect him back with the team, but uh, what a show by Drew Brown. It was unbelievable, man. That has to give Bombers fans, the front office and the coaching staff and the rest of the team a lot of confidence that Brown can come in the game in a moment's notice and play the way that he did. So I think it's great for Winnipeg to have that safety net. And if they have to go to him and use him again this week or potentially for multiple weeks to allow Zach Laris to get healthy, then I think that the Bombers can continue this run in first place. Really, the only other two teams that I see them being able to be in a competitive game with at the moment is the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. So I think if you're rolling with Drew Brown, it's a great look at him to see what he could do potentially in the future. A lot of other CFL teams are going to want to get their hands on this guy because Claros, I think, is really ageless. He continues to play at a high level and MOP level. Of course, he's a two-time reigning MOP. And there are a lot of teams intrigued with Brown and that would have liked to have potentially traded for him in the offseason, but there was no way that Winnipeg was going to do that going into 2023. But the contract is going to be up. He's going to be a free agent. And there will be a lot of bidders, especially if he continues to play like he did against the Elks. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, for a player in Brown's situation, I mean, a game like that can literally set you up for the next few years. I mean, there's no guarantees as to as a backup when you're going to have the opportunity to play, especially here in Winnipeg when you've got a back-to-back MOP playing ahead of you. Um, 
he certainly made the most of that opportunity. I mean, and to do it in the way that he did, I mean, down 22 nothing, it looked pretty bleak for the Bombers. Like, they were going to be the team that ended up breaking the streak in Edmonton. And um, he was slinging it right from the very first series, got the job done. And the hilarious thing about this, the Bombers almost covered the spread in that game. I mean, they were up nine with the ball <laughs> at the end of the game and obviously got into the victory formation. But on the other side of things... I mean, how did the Elks, how did the Elks get over this one? They've found new ways to lose week in and week out, and uh, we're halfway to the perfect season right now, Justin. <laughs> the perfect season that nobody wants, my man. I'm with you, but the way that they got to that loss was for me on defense. Chris Jones has to have that unit. Playing better, and with all due respect to Drew Brown, I just talked about his intriguing potential and upside and the fact that there will be multiple CFL teams that are interested in him at free agency time next year. But your unit has got to play better against a guy coming in in a moment's notice, down 22 nothing, especially, right? Like you knew the Bombers were going to have to throw to get back in that game, and yes, they finished it off with Brady Oliveira on the ground. But that defensive unit has to play better because Trey Ford, the Canadian, put up more than enough points, especially to start that game, to get them off and running and potentially snap that dreadful home losing streak that is now 22 straight games. And I don't even think a lot of people in Edmonton can remember why at the time the green and gold football team there was part of a city that was nicknamed the city of champions because it has gotten to be atrocious. There's fans there with paper bags over their head. Security's throwing some of those fans out of the building there at Commonwealth stadium. It is just ugly and they got to find a way to get a win. I will say the one major positive is Ford. I think he should have started well before this or this record might not have gotten this long at home. Well, speaking of Ford, he was obviously in Chris Jones's doghouse coming out of training camp for, for most of the season. And then after the game, he was asked about what happened in the second half. And he said, oh, I think we got a little too conservative. And then his coach is saying, yeah, well, maybe just go and stay in your lane and follow the, uh, the game plan. I do wonder about the relationship between Ford and Jones. It seemed like Jones was forced to start the young man because of everything that happened so far this season. Probably, I uh, you know, if he had another option probably wouldn't have done that um the way the game went and then what happened afterwards like everything's a mess there right now so i'm not sure it can get any worse but i i'm very intrigued as to how that relationship goes for the rest of this year you can definitely tell just based on those comments that there is some tension there between Ford and potentially the coaching staff and rightfully so on both sides but i think more so on ford's side because he sat there on the bench and watched a largely pathetic offense get shut out twice in, what was it, eight games or seven yeah. games before he even got to start. So that probably would have frustrated him. And Ford sitting there knowing that he has way better athleticism and skills than Taylor Cornelius and Jared Daggy. So I can understand it from Ford's perspective. I would say if I could get in his ear – keep those comments to himself because Chris Jones ain't going to like it. But this relationship is one that is very interesting because Jones selected Ford not too long ago in the first round of the CFL draft, raved about his talent. Jones traveled to the university at Buffalo Pro Day that Ford had their 
two years ago when he was going through the pre-draft process where he w- ran the 4.45 40-yard dash and jumped almost 40 inches in the vertical and threw the ball really well with a bunch of NFL scouts there. And the only reason that I can see Jones souring on Ford is the fact that Ford continues to attract NFL interest. And I think he probably wants to see Ford committed to Edmonton. But you cannot blame the guy for going and working out for NFL teams in the offseason. Las Vegas Raiders and New England Patriots brought him in for workouts. There's still buzz in NFL circles from what I hear about Ford's ability. He just needs game reps. So if I'm Trey Ford sitting there, knowing that I had this NFL interest, that I could be close to a contract with the team perhaps in the offseason, and the only thing standing in my way of that is starting – then yeah, I would be more than a little frustrated at Chris Jones because it doesn't make sense. He invested a first-round pick in him. Taylor Cornelius was absolutely terrible. Jared Deggie wasn't much better. As I said, they got shut out two times, and still the guy's on the bench. So I would be most curious the conversations that went on behind the scenes with the president, Victor Kui, and Chris Jones as to starting four. Now I'm not saying that Kui's going to meddle in the football business that Jones is the head of, but... Ford clearly can bring some excitement to this team. Dare I say, could bring some fans out to the stadium there at Commonwealth Stadium because we all know it's been a long time since they've won a home game there. October. Can he win a game, Justin? Can he win a damn game? <laughs> I think he can this week in Hamilton, but the issue is that's not a home game. So <laughs> you remember last year that Ford won his first career CFL start in the Hammer. So there's some good vibes there. I think the Tiger Cats are a mess right now. They had to change in their coaching staff, firing Tommy Condell, bringing in Scott Milanovic and then Orlando Steinauer says, well, he's not a miracle worker. So it's like, why did you fire Condell? I think there's so much going on there in Hamilton that it's a great spot for Ford to go on the road and get a win. But that doesn't end that dreaded home streak. I think it's possible late in the season, but the Elks best chance for getting a win on the road and at home this season is Ford. And I think you got to play him to develop him and see what you have. Justin Dunk, three down nation with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Be honest, I was quite disappointed not to see Cody Fajardo uh, in the game on the on the weekend. I mean, this, I mean, Fajardo Moss going up against the uh, or going up against their old squad. Um, that was disappointing, but nothing could have been more disappointing than the no show the Riders put in that game right now. I mean, uh, I guess they've got four wins, but there's three teams and everybody else, and I would say Montreal is that next tier. And there might be another tier below Montreal and the rest of the league. Saskatchewan thoroughly outclassed in that game on Friday. Definitely. That was a sad display from the Riders. And I mean, if you're a Saskatchewan fan, you can sit there and say, hey, yeah, but Mason Fine got hurt and Jake Dolegallo went in the game. Well, you mentioned it. Cody Fajardo didn't play. Caleb Evans was in there. His first action of the season. He wasn't asked to do much. So did a decent job of taking care of the football, although he had the one interception and used his legs on the ground. But I really like the game plan that Jason Moss went with there, sticking to the ground game, even though William Standback was out. Walter Fletcher stepped up with some big runs. The Canadian running back there, Jeshron Antwi, was dynamic on the ground as well. Austin Mack had a big touchdown catch. So the Owls really put it together. But that defense has a renewed energy since Sean Lemon has come in there, boosted the pass rush. Noel Thorpe's unit is looking really difficult to score points on. Just ask Dola Gala and the Riders. So I think some alarm bells have to be going off in Saskatchewan because you look at some of the other teams around the league that have had to use their backup quarterbacks. And yes, the Riders do have four wins, 
But if they don't make the playoffs, and I don't think there's any chance that Craig Dickinson can try to get a contract extension there. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, this was sort of a, a a season, presumably, for them to show or re. I mean, regain some of the faithful. I mean, they've lost season ticket holders. It's quite clear that they've lost a lot of the the faith of the fan base. And uh, I mean, it's kind of different in Saskatchewan than everywhere else. I mean, you know, that's religion there, and. Uh, when people don't want to go to church anymore, that's a bad, bad sign for uh, that organization. And I would have to imagine that we're probably looking at major, major overhaul in the entire organization uh, going forward. What about Calgary? Like, Calgary got smoked last night by BC. They beat Toronto, which was a big win for them going into this week. But um, I would say that that's been maybe the most underwhelming team this season as opposed to where I expected them to be at the midway point of the year. I would definitely agree. And that win against Toronto, for my money, doesn't happen if Chad Kelly stays healthy for that game. And even if Javon Leak doesn't muff that return and Calgary jumps on it for a special teams touchdown, I thought there were points in that game where Cameron Dukes could have led the Argos to a win. Curly Gittins Jr. dropped a key pass it was a deep shot right in his hands that could have developed some good mojo for Duke. So, yeah, Calgary has been very disappointing. There is a good amount of talent, at least by name there. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together. And I think Jake Mayer has to show us that he can command respect from his teammates and be that leader on his own. Not that Bo Levi Mitchell was, but it's different when you're QB1. When you're the backup and you're coming off the bench and your spot's starting – it's one thing to infuse some energy into an offense that wasn't moving well, admittedly, under Mitchell for long stretches last season. But when you're the guy, there needs to be that it factor. Zach Kolaris has it, right? I would say that Vernon Adams Jr. has developed it, not to the level of Kolaris, but it's there with Vernon Adams Jr. And you see with a guy like Dustin Crum early in his career that there's just a different energy with him in the huddle with the Red Blacks. And to be honest, we haven't seen that from Mary. He's been... Very inconsistent. So my opinion of Mayer is still to be decided, but he has definitely disappointed to this point in the season. You know what? You just reminded me. There are people in the chat, and I'm not sure whether they're trolling or actually serious, but it just took one great game from Drew Brown this season to say, Zach's getting a little bit older. Maybe they have to move on from Caleros next season to make for, for Drew Brown, Justin. Don't be thinking that, okay? We're talking about a guy that got this franchise to their first great cup since the early 1990s, okay? And they won back-to-back. They probably should have won last year. Yes, Calaris was a part of that. He could have played better. But you can't assume that a guy has one good game against the worst team in the league, Huss. And then you're talking about, oh, yeah, maybe we should keep him over that class. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? Come on. Um, although it was a, it was a kind of a fun little segue joking around about a quote unquote quarterback controversy and then talking about Nathan Rourke on Saturday night. I mean, you're a quarterback. I mean, when you saw that play, what was your first reaction? I'm sure you, like many of us have watched it about a dozen times already. I mean, that was world-class. That was vintage Mahomes at the top of his game last night. And but I, and I say this in all sincerity, that play, I think, made him a few million bucks because just that being on tape with everyone seeing this is going to have everyone know who he is. And if Nathan Rourke's available, there will be teams that will be interested in giving him a shot. 
Definitely. That play was elite. And literally, as I was watching it, I thought, okay, sweet spin move to get away from two defenders in a tight pocket. And then he steps up and he's going to the ground and he lets the throw go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did he get this thing off? And it's right on the money. Freaking touchdown dot in the end zone. And you're right. A Patrick Mahomes-esque play. Mahomes tweeted about it saying that was nasty. Tyreek Hill. The cheetah took notice of it as well as did the rest of the NFL. And even though it's one play and yes, it's in a preseason game against probably a bunch of guys that are going to be cut. It is still a play that stands out. Like Doug Peterson talked about it, the head coach of the Jaguars after the game, but he hasn't even seen too many plays like that preseason or not ever in his football career. We're talking about a guy that backed up Brett Favre who made a bunch of plays in and around that kind of nature. So I definitely think that play earned Rourke some money. There's going to be a buzz, and there already is, that I've heard about in NFL circles about him. And as silly as it sounds, being seen on social media and having that type of athleticism on film is going to help his NFL future. Trevor Lawrence is the face of the franchise for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's ideally going to be there for a decade, if not longer. That's what the Jags front office would like. That's what they envisioned when they used the number one overall pick on him a few years back. But Rourke showed a lot of people that he belongs in the NFL. Think about that. Your NFL preseason debut, you go to Dallas, Jerry World, Cowboys Stadium, and you show that you can ball right away and make that kind of play. Unbelievable from the Canadian. Well, and just on Rourke, I mean, you know what? Originally, he was signed. We thought, oh, he's going to be the backup. And then, well, no, they've got C.J. Beathard back, who's probably a little bit more of a a safe, known commodity. Um, but I was just talking about the Chiefs are in a similar situation. They've got a young guy, um, and then they've got a more experienced backup. I, I, plays like that by Rourke, I think, you know, almost force sometimes relatively conservative decision makers to say, I know this guy doesn't have the resume or the playing time, but if for some reason QB one isn't there, I think this has to be our guy. Definitely. Especially with the dual threat ability. And we know Trevor Lawrence has that to his game a little bit. And let's think of this scenario. Okay. Hus, if you're an NFL team out there and you're thinking about who could hit the waivers? Like, I don't think Rourke will get through waivers if you want to send him down to the practice squad versus Bethard. So I'm thinking, hey, I'd rather try to get Bethard through. Now, you'd have to look through the stipulations and guaranteed money in his contract. I think he got a couple million guaranteed in that deal. But if you have a young up-and-coming talent like this in Nathan Rourke, and you've seen him behind the scenes, the work that he's putting in. I don't know if people follow him on Instagram, but he is doing – a lot of work on his own to constantly work on his accuracy, his throwing motion outside of these training camp practices. It's really impressive. So the Jaguars will know him intimately. And you sometimes are just one shot away, right? Last year, I think there was a record amount of quarterbacks that started in the NFL. We've seen it in the CFL, with I think it's over 20 quarterbacks that have taken meaningful snaps already up here in Canada this season. So if you're the Jaguars, I think you're at least having that conversation right now that do we want to risk losing Rourke on waivers if we're going to make him our emergency third quarterback and send him down to the practice roster? Or do we just want to make him our number two, knowing that Beathard isn't a guy with that kind of upside? Yeah, see, listen, with all due respect, C.J. Beathards are a dime a dozen in the National Football League. I mean, we see guys that, you know, that play a little bit, that hold a clipboard, that – you know, anytime a guy gets signed, there's another C.J. Beathard type player out there that's available 
uh, free agency. A, a player with the skill set, the tools of Rourke that we haven't seen play at that level yet, to me is um, you know, is an asset that has to be protected and kept. And I, I, I look forward to the rest of the preseason for him. And I, I would expect, and again, maybe this is crazy overreaction from one play, but we saw him and what he was able to do in such a magical season last year before he was hurt. I, I have a lot of confidence saying that this guy can play and I don't care whether it's three down or four down football. Nathan Rohr can put points on the board. Definitely agree, man. This guy can ball. It's part of the reason why the Jaguars want to bring him in and guarantee around $220,000 USD of his salary. They saw this type of potential. Now it's his job to capitalize it, capitalize on it, excuse me. But for one week, he's done that. And some people, you know, look at his numbers and say, well, he only went nine to 17, but Okay, first let's think. There's a couple of drop passes in there. Naturally, some smart plays if you're going to throw the football away and not force it into coverage as well. And also, it's a brand-new offense with a bunch of guys that he's never played with before. So I thought he was actually very accurate with the football, that there were some drops in there. You could see him moving around using his mobility out there. And people are talking about, well, it wasn't a lot of high-caliber players on the field. Well, fellow Canadian defensive lineman Navelle Gallimore, who the Cowboys used a mid-round pick on to select in the NFL draft, was out there on the field. So there were some dudes out there and guys that are trying to compete and scratch and scrape and fight and claw to get on an NFL roster. So I think even though it's one play, you look more at that second half and the way that he closed that game out and got a win for the Jaguars that it showed that Rourke has the potential to be a quarterback in the NFL for the long term. Hey, um, uh, JD, before we go, and uh, we're looking forward to actually, by the way, after this, I'll fill people in on the details for a Friday night, a little watch party for the Bomber Stamps game. Ooh. Thursday, things kick off, though, with the Elks at the Ticats, and we mentioned what's going on in Edmonton. How big of a mess is it in the hammer right now? It's brutal, man, like that is arguably the biggest disappointment of the season right there with the Calgary Stampeders. Now, part of that has to do with Bully Vibe Mitchell's injury, but if you talk to people around the league, they'll say that the Tiger Cats offense has actually looked better under rookie quarterback Taylor Powell, but I just can't agree with making Tommy Condell a scapegoat. Let's call it what it is. And yes, I know that Scott Mitchell, or sorry, Scott Milanovic was there and waiting and Probably what Scott Mitchell wanted to do, the CEO of this team, as much as he tries to remove himself publicly from these decisions, because I don't think the offense was the issue. I think penalties have been a massive issue for the Tiger Cats. Orlando Steiner, their head coach, has reiterated that multiple times, and it just doesn't seem like this team is well-connected in the locker room or is playing complementary football. So the Tiger Cats need to get it together quick, because right now they look like the worst team in the East Division. JD, what's coming up this week at three down? Dude, actually, it's going to be busy. So I'm planning on being at that game in Hamilton, the donut box, Tim Hortons field to see Trey Ford live in person. I imagine he's going to have a big cheering section there because he's born and raised just down the road in Niagara and played his university football at the university of Waterloo. And then it's in the works right now. I don't want to say anything too much, but I think there's a possibility that it could be in Detroit to see Nathan work live. So There'll be lots of content, unique content on these up-and-coming Canadian quarterbacks. Love it, love it. Keep up the great work, pal. Never go a day without checking out 3Down Nation. And uh, we'll look forward to do this again real soon. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good, my man. Appreciate you, Huss. Good stuff. There's Justin Dunk. Follow him on Twitter at jdunk12. And make sure you check it out. 
three down nation. Uh, I just mentioned we're going to get to the bombers coming up with uh, with Hammer. Um, kind of talked about this towards the end of the show, but uh, yeah, little bomber watch party for Friday night's game against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the Bombers, their alumni, along with Coors Light, putting on this event over at Hooters. Looking forward to being a part of that and getting out, and hopefully we'll see a bunch of you guys down there. They're going to have uh, you know, a bunch of cool prizes, I think some tickets to give away. Uh, as I said, a couple of Bomber alumni will be there. I think a couple of uh, cheerleaders. And at the end of the day, uh, should have a great game on a Friday night to kick off the weekend. So uh, you know where Hooters is, 1501 St. Matthews Street. Um, an official away viewing party for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Hooters. Mark it in the calendar, and let's see you WSTers out there. And uh, we'll kick off the weekend in style and hopefully see the Bombers get to uh, get to uh, to 8-2. and two. Um, As I say, end of every quarter, there's a swag bag and a Bomber prize pack of tickets. Trivia throughout the night, Coors Light prizing. Coors Light's going to be on special all night. And... Uh, Actually, at night, if you do go there with some friends, mention WST, and you'll get a free starter-sized deep-fried pickles for your table. Nice of them to take care of the WSTers. So, you know where to be. We'll see you on Friday night. Uh, hey, Jeff Hamilton's coming up in just a minute, and uh, we will get to more of the Bombers. Um, do want to thank Vita Health Fresh Market for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products to get on down to one of six Vita Health. And barbecue season is still in full swing. Uh, you're not going to find any better grass-fed bison beefsteaks than you will there. And, hey, you can always wash those down with Sober Carpenter beer or Santa Cruz lemonade. Vita Health Fresh Marketing, powering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace... Had a busy weekend. They were uh, special sponsors of the uh, the event of the Bark in the Park because they do do dog runs as well. Um, you know, we know that they're the experts in fencing and overhead doors, but they also do all sorts of temporary fencing. Of course, they were just a big sponsor of the um, police and fire games and did all of that temporary fencing. So if you're having an outdoor event, a wedding, a family reunion, or you need something temporary commercially Wallace and Wallace is the place. And again, the best selection of overhead doors if you need to uh, get some work done on the home as the official Clopay dealer in Manitoba. Uh, pop by and see them at their showroom off of Lawson Road. You can give them a call at 452-2700 or check them out online at wallacefences.com. Fall's just around the corner, fellas. Uh, how's the closet looking? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the new season, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits as you want them, made to fit, look great, beginning at just 400 bucks. along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are in a wedding party, make sure to talk to them about getting the fellas done up for the big day at F Apparel. 15% discount for all wedding parties at F Apparel. Pop by and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown or... You can make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And another great Manitoba summer weekend in the books. Hopefully you pop by Nick and Nikki DQ to grab one of those delicious summer blizzard flavors that everyone's talking about. Four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, 
DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ out in Niverville. And if you do need a DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event, hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram, and they'll get that sucker custom made for you. All right. I think back from his travels and back to the peg and back on WST is our pal, the hammer, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. What's up, buddy? How was your weekend? Hustler, it was terrific. I'm back on all those all those things you mentioned, except for vacation. Still got today off and uh, hitting the hitting the ground running tomorrow, um, and then heading to heading to uh, to Calgary on Wednesday for what should be a, a pretty uh, pretty interesting game between the blue and gold and uh, the struggling Stampeders. I love the once around the CFL you went with Dunk. I got a lot of the same takes, but. Um, Certainly, uh, certainly an exciting week for the Bombers here is with a lot of question marks. Well, I do want to get to a little bit of hockey talk, but we'll save that for a minute. Um, the uh, Listen, I know you're on holidays, but I know you've been paying attention to the game. And I guess the big story today out of practice was that Zach Caleros was not practicing. Um, and I guess, you know, if he needs a little bit of extra time, you got to feel pretty good about Drew Brown with the way that he played going forward. But... Concern and the status of Zach will be the topic around the Winnipeg Blue Bombers until clarity is achieved on that. Yeah, I think anytime. I mean, I think concern comes into the equation when you he when you see Zach Cross get hit anytime, let alone you know the way he was hit in that game. I would argue late. Um, you know, I don't know if the intent. I think I'm with a lot of people. I don't think the intent was malicious. I think there was probably a, a chance to not, you know, maybe deliver the damage that that was delivered, but. Uh, certainly after, you know, Zach laid there for a while, you, you know, I think his fan base, any fan base, your number one quarterback goes out and we've seen a lot of that this season. There's always going to be concern. And when it comes with the reigning, you know, back to back, most outstanding player, I'd argue there's some panic that goes in there. I will say this. I mean, I, I don't, I think it's a good sign that Zach Claris was at practice in street clothes and not, you know, tucked away in a room somewhere or, or going through things. I think, just his appearance is important, even though he was a spectator, he wasn't street clothes. Um, I'm, you know, I sent out a few messages trying to get some information and what I got back was good. <laughs> Literally the word good. Um, what does that mean? Is he good to play this week? We'll see. I think that's going to be figured out here over the week of practice if and when Claris joins the team. But I take good at this stage is it's not serious. So whether that's, you know, whether that's returning this week after a couple, you know, extra days off, whether that's returning next week after this, you know, this week's Calgary game, mind you, it is a short week. I know the Bombers played on Thursday, but it's still somewhat of a short week. Um, I think if it was a Saturday game and it might change what how they handle Zach Claris, but all, all signs are pointing to fairly positive, even though, you know, I or nor anyone else for that matter seems to know exactly how long he could be out. I, I really do think it's, you know, they – escaped worst case scenario by far and I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing this week also I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't it's just the reports I'm getting are you know you're not you're not using the g word if this guy has any you know if, if he's out anywhere between two weeks and more than that so I think the the early signs are positive for for Claris and the Bombers yeah and, and I mean listen I don't know whether they'll ever even tell us other than the old upper body injury or whatever but, I mean, mm. if all of a sudden we hear that Zach Caleros has a concussion, that becomes a legitimate concern just because of his of his history. But it, it really is amazing, Jeff, and it got me thinking over the weekend at just how consistent and just how durable Zach has been 
since he became a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, which was by far the biggest question when he showed up here in the first place. Many people, myself included, said earlier that year, they didn't think this guy should be playing anymore because of everything that he'd been through in previous stops in the CFL. Thank God I was wrong on that. Oh, man, I was thinking the exact same thing before the injury. I was thinking this earlier in the year because, as I mentioned or alluded to earlier, was that Claros has taken quite a bit of hits this year. I mean, he's taken hits in the previous years, but it seems like the ultimate game plan this season um, is to, you know, to, to hit him hard. And obviously that's every, every team's every week's game plan against whether it be the Blue Bombers or anybody else is to get to the quarterback, but the punishment's been higher. And, you know, to your point, Huss, like when he first got here in 2019, all the questions, even though there were a lot of people in media and outside advocating to go after a guy like Zach Claris, as soon as he arrived here after that trade, it was all about his health, whether he should be playing football, how good does he feel, uh, you know, how can doctors clear you to play after, you know, suffering, you know, several head injuries, right, and being out for the length of time that, that Zach was out. And then fast forward to before last week, and really the guy went years without anybody asking him a question, you know, about his health or his status or any, you know, whether he should be played football. And, I mean, two MVP winning seasons – will we'll get you that designation for sure. And a third, when you lead the team to their first great cup in nearly 30 years, no one really cares about your health. They care about your performance. And that's certainly all has been the case for Zach Claris this season. Now, I do think he's a lot more durable than people think. I think he looks at a lot of his injuries earlier in his, in his career, while certainly isn't, you know, making, you know, light of them. I think he views them as more fluke injuries, right? I don't think if you were to ask him that he would feel like he was injury prone, even though there's, certainly some evidence to suggest he was years ago uh, to him. I think they were all each was situational each in some ways, you know, Zach's the kind of guy who puts a lot of blame on himself. I'm not saying he's blaming himself for the injury, but he'll always tell you he could have done more, whether that was to, you know, soften a hit that he was getting or a throw or whatever it might be and injuries included. So I, I really do think this was just a precautionary thing. And, and certainly the way Drew Brown played, I know he spent a lot of time in that last segment and really We'll be probably talking about it all week. The way Drew Brown played allows the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, you know, and their you know and their their seven and two record right now to go into Calgary this week and maybe give Zach just a week off to be extra careful about his status because you know you'd much rather have Zach Claros for you know obviously the rest of the season here than than one game. I'm not suggesting this game is meaningless by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously Calgary's struggling this season. Drew Brown played really great. I you know. I think I'm a little bit surprised at how well he played, but I'm not surprised that his teammates and coaching staff aren't surprised because this is a guy who takes the game incredibly seriously, looks up to Zach Caleros. You know, there was a lot of – I interviewed him for, for that feature I did on Zach when I went to his hometown last year, and I didn't leave – I didn't put any of Drew Brown's quotes in it because it didn't quite fit with where I was going. But the words that this guy has to say about Zach Caleros and the respect he has for him um, – you know, this to me is a guy who takes the game incredibly serious, as serious as Zach Claros does. And and when when you prepare for a game like that, and you're in a quarterback room with a guy like Zach uh, under an OC like Buck Pierce. I think you know when you're ready to take advantage um, the way he prepares. I think you're going to see exactly what we saw against Edmonton. Yeah, you know, um, uh, listen, I think I would have been more surprised by Drew Brown's performance if we didn't see his heroics in week one of last season when we saw Zach late in the game being pulled out of the game. I can't believe this is happening. And then he goes and leads the team down and wins the football game. 
but from from a personal standpoint, like we were saying with Dunk, I mean, what a performance. And a performance, I mean, you have no idea when you're going to get those chances to go out and show what you can do. And to do it, albeit against Edmonton, but a 22-point comeback, um, th- th- this, this is going to help him, whether it be get a starting job elsewhere in the Canadian Football League, um, you know, I think you just can't overstate how important that is to Drew Brown's future in the Canadian Football League, doing that on the stage that he did, playing the way he did, and bottom line, leading a football team to a win when it did not look very good when he came in. That's the life of a backup quarterback. Totally. It's, it's all about taking advantage of the few situations you get tossed into. What do you hear from every team at the start of every year is that, you know, the backup quarterback, while you might be high on him and like him, you never want to see him all season long. You don't want him entering the game because it usually means something's going wrong with your number one. And so, you know, but with Drew Brown, you mentioned, Huss, I mean, we saw that early last season in, in helping, you know, orchestrate that, that uh, game-winning touchdown drive. And then we saw it weeks later in the season when the Bombers visited BC. Now, you know, you look at that game and it's pretty easy to be, you know, you can go to, you can go to two different sides. You look at, Drew Brown was through, I think, for over 300. It was like 327 yards and three touchdowns. That's the good. The bad, of course, was throwing two interceptions, both of which happened to re- be returned to Pater for touchdowns. So, it's you know, those are really costly errors with some of the really good things we saw. But we saw a guy who was comfortable in the huddle. We saw a guy who, you know, was confident with, you know, brings out the confidence of his teammates. We saw him roll out of the pocket with comfort, throw on the run. We saw these little things that make, you know, quarterbacks in this league good um, or at least worthy of another opportunity. We've also seen some of the bad. I mean, we don't need to go through the list of, of Bombers backup quarterbacks, but it took Sean McGuire two years and one start essentially to, to get his walking papers and retired from football because he couldn't get it done in Montreal at the end of the season. And I would add to, to, to Brown's performance against BC, it was with a bunch of backups, right? He didn't have the luxury of Jamarcus Hardrick and Stanley Bryant you know, flanking him as his tackles. He didn't have the benefit of having, you know, all these number, you know, these starting players on offense in. So he had to do with what he, he had to do with what he had. And I thought he, you know, did pretty well. He certainly had people probably worrying on the, uh, on the point spread who, who were against Winnipeg um, as he, as he muscled his way back in that game. But we saw all those little signs. So right now, I think this is a real good, big opportunity for him for sure. I mean, are there going to be teams clamoring at him, wanting him after this performance, after this one performance? Maybe, maybe some are interested, certainly with what, the way the key QB situation is in the CFL right now. But if Drew Brown can get another start and, you know, a couple more here at the end of the season and put together a small resume of, of effective uh, football, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that there, it's either going to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that are opening the purse strings, certainly not enough to eclipse Zach Caleros and any of that talk. But there's going to be, you're going to be damn sure there's going to be other teams in the league who are looking to revamp their offense or looking to find a guy who's mobile, who can, you know, bring that confidence into the huddle. You know players are texting players on the Bombers. You've seen the comments after the game from the players. All of that works in Drew Brown's favor, and I would not be surprised at all if, you know, at the end of this season, we're talking about him in February as he's looking to continue his CFL career, either in Winnipeg or elsewhere. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I don't want to take, and I won't take anything away from Drew Brown. I mean, absolutely balled out won that game I mean but it was a team win a lot of guys stepped up but the guy that 
I think, and I tweeted about this, but I'm not sure we spend enough time on Friday on the program that I think deserves a lot of credit, is Buck Pierce. I mean, at times earlier, I mean, there had been some legitimate criticism of some of the things that the Bombers had done when they'd been struggling. Man, I mean, the way that he called that game the plays, the timing of everything, seeing what Edmonton was doing and taking advantage of the weaknesses. I mean, that was an absolute masterpiece game calling by Buck Pierce, especially considering the adversity the team was in when Calaris went out and Drew Brown came in. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Buck Pierce is a rising star in this league. Um, You know, he'll be a head coach when he wants to be a head coach. Pretty much on his terms, I imagine, the situation that works for him. Um, it might not be that long into the future. Uh, it's a very interesting too, and this isn't a takeaway from Buck Pierce because certainly I think what I think Buck Pierce's greatest assets, obviously the X's and O's of the game, he knows very well. But I think one of the greatest and maybe underrated and maybe just not really widely known is just the relationship he has with his players. Like even when Paul Lapolice was here, and you know Paul Lapolice is a terrific OC up there with the best in the league. Um, a lot of the respect and credit was going to Buck Pierce just because of the way he interacts with players. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of OCs out there, and I put Tommy Condell in that list, to be honest with you. He just lost his opportunity in Hamilton, as you talked about earlier in the show, that don't really build around the players. They have a certain, you know, game plan that they believe works in the CFL, and they'll try to jam the players into that system. Now, I'm sure there's flexibility in and around there, but Buck Pierce is the kind of guy who who I think knows his players so well and the expectations on offense are so high to the point where every receiver knows every player's route. So if they need to know everyone's job. So if they switch jobs, they know where they're going and they know on the field where everyone else is supposed to be. So it's as much as Buck Pierce is great at, you know, putting together game plans and putting, you know, certainly getting the best out of each player and changing those game plans week in and week out to you know, to the opponent and not to necessarily just his team's strengths. What also he's really good at doing is, is, is bringing out the best in the IQs of his players. And so I think when you, when you see a lot of times under his tutelage, the Bombers will make some incredible halftime adjustments. And more often than not, it's not just Buck Pierce coming down and saying, I'm seeing this, this, and this. It's the players coming together and recognizing what they see and coming together with a plan as a unit, as an offense. So while certainly Buck Pierce is deserving of all that credit and more as the architect of this offense, he's got a, he's got a group of players and talented minds that when put together can come up with some just great, great alterations if they need it. Right. That's why you always see kind of the bombers come out in the second half and, and get things done. It's because they got a lot of great minds in there and a lot of collaboration and respect for one another. And, and that certainly starts with Buck Pierce and there's no surprise he's having the success he's having again this season. You know, watching what BC did to Calgary on the weekend, um, I mean, I think this is an important game for the Bombers. In a lot of ways, this, I think, is going to feel like a bit of a tennis match where you've got to hold serve with your games. Because, I mean, when was the last time we could literally count down for two months to one regular season game in the CFL that has as much we expect to be riding on it in that game in BC on the 6th of October in the third and final regular season matchup between the Bombers and Lions this year. Yeah, it's going to be a doozy, isn't it? I kind of feel like it's got the vibes from last year, but it was more like the Bombers were up here. Well, up here. Yeah, there we go. 
Yeah. And then Calgary and BC were, were just below. And so they were kind of battling. So you knew that it was going to go to the end of the season for those two teams. Now it's feeling like a real two-horse race in the West, right? And, and it's really going to be interesting to see how important that game is because I just don't see the BC Lions, who obviously have Vernon Adams back, um, and what a game he had against Calgary and his return from, from injury. But, um, and then you have the Bombers. So whether it's Drew Brown or it's Zach Kolaris, I just don't see either. You know, I don't see the Bombers slowing down either. I just don't see the competition in the CFL beyond the Toronto Argonauts being all that tough of a competition for those three teams. So to me, I think it's going to be a real important one. And the Bombers have a bit of a, a history about going into BC place and, and getting things done. So I really do think that's going to be an exciting game. I think that's going to be a game, you're right, we're going to have on our calendars, but still lots of football to, to be played between them, lots of stuff that can happen. But, yeah, looking through that lens in mid-August, that October fall game looked like it's going to be a doozy down the stretch. Well, and, and the coolest thing about it is the fact that they're both tied, you know, with the same record, regardless of whether one team um, drops a game. As long as they're within one game of each other going into that game, the team that's behind can win and jump the other team because this, of course, is the rubble match in the three-game series between the two clubs. I mean, as I say, we're going to be promoting this one like a heavyweight title fight when you know like the card is signed. It's a month and a half in advance. Uh, There's a lot of other football left to be played, but that will be the big one. Just while we stay on football, I mean, the biggest topic, uh, certainly Saturday night, was oh my god did you see what nathan rourke did what what did you think about that beauty just just stunning oh man he should have got sacked four times at least like he got he got hit there pretty well and like you know you look at some of the different angles of that replay and there's one in particular i think it was nfl that did it on instagram or whatever but it shows like you can see his eyes right you can almost you can almost see the adrenaline slash fear slash focus you know, coming together in the perfect storm as he releases this ball. And even the commentator who's calling the play is just like, and he releases it. And it's like a br- brief pause for a touchdown. It was just like, it was just, you know, it, it was it was maybe not exactly what we saw in the CFL. I can't, I don't know if I could point to you in a game where Nathan Rourke was being shed by four different defenders and then firing, you know, on the fly uh, to, to, to a shot in the end zone. But... We saw a lot of that skill set, that determination, that focus, that it factor that you were talking about with Justin Dunk. You know, like to me, that it factor is 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 the term gamer. And Nathan Rourke is an absolute gamer. And you know, Zach Caleros is a gamer, and that they'll push plays as long and as far as they possibly can until there's no longer an opportunity to to have that play continue. Whether it's and very rarely do those guys throw the ball away, right? So you know, these that that's that gamer aspect to it. And and I think, you know, Nathan Rourke's been such a great story, whether it's from his time in the CFL to sign a contract. I know there were some eyebrows raised of why would he sign in Jacksonville when you have Trevor Lawrence there who's gonna be the franchise quarterback in the future of this team for a very long time. And I thought his answers, while well documented, were were really, really important to a quarterback's development. He saw a system in which he felt he could fit in, he saw a coaching staff in which he felt he could grow with, and an opportunity to show other teams what he can do. That's ultimately what Nathan Rourke is doing by signing in Jacksonville is creating a reputation amongst football people so that when they go out and talk to their, you know, friends around the league, coaches talk to coaches around the league, they could talk about how this guy got into Jacksonville, put in the hours and work, and then what you saw on film is exactly, you know, the effort he put in off the field. And that's a great start for a guy in Nathan Rourke. And Nathan Rourke, you know, 
is probably going to get more opportunities here in the preseason. We'll see what he can do, but certainly a, a nice start. I don't want to end on a negative, but like, remember last year, <laughs> it was the preseason of Chris Strebler and he was the champion of it. Now I know they're two very different players and different skill sets, but I would maybe, you know, temper some of the expectations, but what you can certainly not temper is, is the expectation that Nathan Rourke is going to put in the work. He's going to continue to develop. And there's, you know, would be a surprise to absolutely nobody um, if in a year or so this guy, you know, maybe not, maybe not leading a team, but a get, you know, a bona fide number two, and certainly a guy who, who possibly could do some damage at this level. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't help but want to see more from him after uh, what we saw on the weekend. And listen, that's not happening in Jacksonville as long as Trevor Lawrence is upright and healthy. But uh, I think he did a did himself a big solid as to being on that on that roster at the beginning of the season, as Dunk said. I don't know when that sort of tape is out there on a player that hasn't had much opportunity. I don't think you're taking the chances of putting him on waivers and going to the uh, going to the practice roster. Like you said, doesn't hurt that Patrick Mahomes is uh, is uh, giving you giving you kudos too. That's a nice touch. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, the entire league was talking about it. I mean, it really, really was cool. I see Rob Mahoney in chat. Mr. Hamilton, have you recovered from Andrew's math last week with the odds? I rewatched. I'm still confused. Rob, if you can't add up to a hundred, that's not on me. That's not on Jeff. Very, very simple math. Four things needing to add up to 100. We won't get into that. We won't revisit that. However. <laughs> oh, our odds for the trades? Yeah, yes. But, I mean, we should mention. I mean, obviously, David Krejci uh, has retired today. And mm. immediately, you see Shifley's name popping up on social media. And Pete Blackburn photoshopping a Bruins jersey on him. Um where we stand right now, especially with Brandon Carlo with the 10 team, no trade list and Connor Hellebuck still on the Winnipeg jets. There is not, I, I, I have looked at this roster. I've looked at cap friendly for hours. Uh, unless somehow like Pittsburgh did with the Habs and San Jose, you get a third team involved. I have a hard time imagining any potential trade fit for Mark Shifley now with the Boston Bruins. I think Jets fans can can understand just because there's something you might need doesn't mean you necessarily get it. And so, you know, I, I did look at, you know, obviously Krejci's news certainly is a nice transition into that conversation about whether or not a Mark Shifley might be of value. Of course, Mark Shifley would be of value to the Boston Bruins, a 42 goal scorer and a centerman. They just lost their top two centermen. You go to that news. I mean, what a nice note by Krejci to the to Bruins fans and, and people of Boston. Um, but you had to know this was coming, you know? Like, I mean, as soon as Patrice Bergeron hung him up, I mean, what were you really going to get from Krejci? This? So I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, Boston going, oh, no, you know, Krejci's gone. What, what are we going to do? However, you look at their depth chart, man, and holy smokes. Um, there's one glaring position on Boston, and it's down the middle. I mean, when Charlie Coyle is arguably your number one uh, centerman, you know, rugged player, a good player for a lot of teams, but definitely not your top centerman, you know, especially for a team that had such a historic season, you know, when you, especially when you have a fan base who is so disappointed in the playoffs, you know, like that's got to be a weird place for the fans. When I went and checked out some of the comments, a lot of them were, you know, obviously farewell. Thank you so much for everything. But I'd say a majority of them was like, now what, you know, what do we do now? I mean, look at the center depth here. And, and then you start thinking about, who's around and you start thinking about Mark Shifley. So it's a natural connection. I, I just think to your earlier point, Huss, you got to have, have something in return, right? You have to have something that's valuable in return. And 
you know, whether that, you know, it's certainly not draft picks. Boston got rid of a lot of those. And, you know, I, I don't know what you would want unless you could get, you know, a goaltender trade here, right? So you mentioned Hellbuck as a trade. I just, I think that's a lot of talk for mid-August. Um, but I think, you know, Boston, they're a good team. You know, they'll, they'll rally from it. Maybe they'll be the proof that you don't need deep, deep center depth. And as this copycat league often is, maybe people start dumping their sentiments or something. Yeah, I, I kid, obviously. But I, I don't know about Boston going for Mark Shifley. I, like I said in previous chats, Huss, like those numbers, those trades, those offers, you know, they're already out there. They're floating amongst teams. It's not like, you know, you can always end conversations and restart them. There's no doubt about that. But when you get into the deep parts of summer, you already have their best offer. And then you decide whether you want to do it or not. We've seen no action. We look at a Jets team right now, what, a few weeks before we hit September. That's when the season starts ramping up. Training camp starts ramping up. I just, I'd be, I'd be surprised at this point if there was any any movement here unless it was you know too good to be true as an offer to the jets and you think that would have already arrived by now yeah i, I i'm pretty much in uh, in that same spot i mean uh, let me know if something happens but we're expecting to go into training camp and then and then we'll see and then we can then we can deal with some of the percentages i will not dumb down the show for people that can't add to 100 we will be talking about it but maybe we'll do it maybe we'll slow it down so we can do it okay what are we going to do before the season what about the first half of the season and go through from there? However, um, <laughs> the one thing that does need to happen, you would think, is something on the blue line. Um, you're hearing anything about how this logjam might be figured out. Um, and, of course, there's two young men that need contracts as well that would be in the mix, assuming that they're going to be on the blue line or yeah, within not the organization. Re- not really. And I... And, and I, I... Not to be, I'm not to bear bad news here or anything like that, but you look at what happened last season. Last season supposed to be cleared out and nothing happened so what makes you think this is you know this is going to happen this year we all we already know you know there's also a couple players on that blue line that didn't necessarily do themselves any favors over the last couple years right i mean brennan dillon's a guy that i know names have been tossed out he'd be a guy who years ago when things weren't going well you know was interested and asked for a trade but would have been interested in joining you know if there was they needed bodies or whatever you know nate schmidt has not exactly you know, played to his salary total. So, you know, he's not necessarily a great trade piece. Um, and then you look at, you know, you look at Neil Pionk, right? I think there's a lot of Jets fans that, you know, would like to get something in return, something nice in return for a Neil Pionk maybe. But Neil Pionk hasn't done much over the last, you know, season and a bit to warrant that return. So the Jets want to make sure his value is up a bit more. So I just don't see it. You're right. They're going to have some, there's going to have to be some tough decisions here. There might be some, you know, we might be looking at what we were looking at last year when nothing happened over the summer, heading into training camp, seeing what happens in the first week of training camp, seeing what happens in the second week of training camp when it comes to injuries. I think the Winnipeg Jets are looking at their crowded blue line, not as, you know, much like they were last year, not as a issue per se, but as an opportunity that, there's going to be teams out there that are going to lose a player too early into training camp, and they're going to come calling for quality D-men, and the value at that point will be higher than what we're getting for them now. And I honestly think that's the situation we're at because we're at it. We're, we're, the Jets are in a tough spot. They can't just keep everybody. There's going to be guys that aren't going to be, you know, are, 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 aren't waivers exempt anymore, and they're going to have to make some decisions. I just, I just see those decisions being made now in training camp rather than before training camp. Yeah, um, you know, assuming the the Stanley and Chisholm deals get done, I mean, I I do think, I certainly hope, 
that the Jets do whatever they can to avoid losing Chisholm, who I think has a lot of potential in the similar way that Johnny Kovacevic walked last year. Yeah, I don't um, And then where does that leave Logan Stanley? I mean, this is a guy that's seen plenty of opportunity, got passed on the depth chart last year, wasn't too pleased being in the press box. And, I mean, the way it's looking right now, I don't see that potentially changing. So maybe it's Logan Stanley. There's another team that would give up probably a middle to lower round pick for him as opposed to you're just letting him go. But, I mean, you're right. Schmidt's deal with another year after this at the money that he's making is pretty much untradeable unless you're just trading problem contract for problem contract. And I think that you make a great point. Like, Neil Pionk's value, I think, is relatively low because of the struggles that he had last year. However, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'm actually optimistic for Pionk to have a bounce-back season. I thought that the last month of the season, he was much better. We saw that he was very, what did he have seven points in the playoffs was one of the Jets' best players, and we've seen him play at a higher level before. I'm not sure whether he was hurt, certainly didn't use it as an excuse, but we have seen a better Neil Pionk, and to me, he's one of the guys on the roster, Jeff, that if he can come and bring his best, I think he has the ability to help the team um, improve in a big, big way because I think we know as long as he's in the uh, in the lineup, he's going to be, be playing significant minutes and has the opportunity to really be a difference maker, hopefully in a positive fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see Neil Pionk as a guy that the Jets rely on for offense. And with the exits of Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think you need that added offense. You know, he brought that in the playoffs. I mean, he's a guy that has an offensive mind. I think when, when fans look, look at Neil Pionk, I think the concern is obviously the defensive side, right? And, and particularly his, um, his level of physicality he, that he's been playing at over the last couple of years, right? I mean, he used to rock guys for a living and, and collect points. Now he just kind of collects points and doesn't rock guys. I mean, there's been long speculated that he, he's battling injuries and, and whatnot, and I'm sure that's the case. Um, but that doesn't help his value. But I'm with you. I think there is an opportunity for a bounce-back season. I thought Neil Pionk, you know, it was only five games long, but had a pretty decent um, has a pretty decent list of, uh, you know, I probably sorry, had a pre- pretty decent series in the, in the playoffs and ended his season on, you know, a relative high note. I wouldn't say he was, you know, cheering for himself after a five-game exit, but certainly played well, led the team in points, I believe. And so that, that's certainly a positive. So they're going to need all hands on deck from him and, and everybody else for that matter. Logan Stanley, to me, is exactly the guy I'm referring to when I say the Jets have pieces that they can trade early in the training camp. You know that Logan Stanley, like, I think it's a little bit hyperbolic to suggest that, that Logan Stanley's demanded a trade, but he certainly explored the option with the Winnipeg Jets, and who could blame him? I mean, he hasn't played well enough to, to crack the lineup. He hasn't been consistent enough, um, but he's getting up there in age, and he needs to, you know, needs to find his shot. So, you know, I think the Jets tried hard. They just, because of all those reasons I just said, his value is is nowhere near um, where the Jets would want to trade him for, for something in return. So they've held on to him and held on to him and held on to him. That's to me is is coming to an end here. I mean, they need to make a decision on him. Clearly, Dylan Sandberg has has leapfrogged leapfrogged him in, in the depth chart and has become part of that regular six. Kyle Capobianco is also another option there. I mean, are you are you happy with Logan Stanley as your number seven D as a guy who's hanging out in the press box? Maybe it seems like you have been for some time here, but I'd argue Kyle Capobianco brings more to the table. And obviously we're talking about Declan Chisholm and, and, and other opportunities for other players. So he's he comes to me as a guy who 
the Jets are waiting to trade. They're just trying to find the right time and opportunity to do that. Um, it, it will be interesting. I, I'm with you. I don't think we'll probably hear much about this until really into a month or so when things happen. And obviously there will be, once the season gets going, there'll be injuries. There'll be things that will pop up. And, you know, some of those lower level deals certainly will be made. But these decisions are going to probably have to be made before the first game of the season, which is why that period in training camp is going to be uh, real, real interesting. Hammer, great stuff. Uh, back on the bomber beat tomorrow. We'll be uh, getting the latest on Caleros and everything heading into Calgary in the Winnipeg Free Press. You know how it is. I'll have my uh, ear to the ground, checking garbage cans outside IG Field. You know, looking in every crack I can to uh, to get to get as much information as I can before uh, before Thursday's kickoff. You know how it is. Thanks for doing this, dude. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. There is Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Good stuff. Bombers Friday, 8 p.m. against Calgary. And, uh, yeah, that official Bomber Watch Party is over at Hooters. Friday night, make a point to uh, head on down and uh, and join us. Looking forward to that. All right. We're going to talk a little tennis. Big, big event here in Winnipeg. Just before we do that, though, of course, uh, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of your Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And the next Bomber home game will be the Princess Auto game night. But in a lot of ways, every Bomber game is Princess Auto game night because the Princess Auto tailgate zone, open two hours before every game, is the, the place to pregame. $3.50 hot dogs and pop, $5 beers, great entertainment with DJ Finesse, right in the shadows of IG Field. Make a point to get out there for the next Bomber game. And anytime you hit IG Field to see the blue and gold, of course, Princess Auto, uh, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. You still have some projects that you're thinking about trying to get going on in the summer might be a great time to head down and see joe spicy and the gang at consolidated supply they are the leaders in irrigation systems artificial turf golf carts both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in manitoba and have other great options for your property including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens and of course they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more about everything they've going on, got going on online at cte.ca. Well, hockey season is right around the corner, everybody. And while I can wait to drop the puck on the year, what are you preparing for another big season, either for yourselves or for people in your family? And you know what that means? A trip to Royal Sports, Winnipeg's hockey superstore for over 40 years. Million-dollar inventory, skate sticks, goaltending equipment. And uh, the guys at Bauer are doing a big event a week Friday for the upcoming hockey season. I believe it's called Bauer Fest. Uh, we'll get you details on that. But uh, with hockey season just around the corner, make sure to get down to Royal. Of course, while you're there, you can check out all the great Bomber Jets merch and tons of NFL gear coming in daily. Royal is at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. And uh, off day for the Jays tonight. 
slower in Major League Baseball. We'll get back at it tomorrow, but uh, always a great spot to sit down and watch the Blue Jays. Then their official partner, Boston Pizza, had those great Jays viewing parties earlier this summer. And uh, when they're back on the uh, on the diamond tomorrow, you can get down to Boston Pizza. And a uh, great place to get together with friends to watch the big game, enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. And if you're staying in, you can always order online and get home delivery at bostonpizza.com. All right, we will get to Assiniboia Downs picks and Cool Bet Lines a little later on. But right now, looking forward to welcoming in the Executive Director of Tennis Manitoba to talk to us about the brand-new Tennis Manitoba Hub in West St. Paul, the home of this week's Winnipeg National Bank Challenger brought to you by MBL. Let's bring in Mark Arndt. It is a huge week for tennis in this province. Brand new facility and uh, of course the uh, first round beginning tomorrow after qualifying completes today of the Winnipeg National Bank Challenger presented by MBuild out in West St. Paul. Mark, what is up man? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you again after all these years and uh, yeah, it's nice to on the show well um i gotta tell you i think um anyone that is a fan of tennis that plays tennis that has a stake in tennis in this province um has to be excited about what's happening this week um listen we'll get to the tournament in a minute but we can't really talk about the tournament without talking about the venue and the facility that it is at because um this is brand new huge for the sport in the province tell us about this new tennis manitoba hub out in west st paul yeah it's, it's just pretty awesome the way it all happened and uh seven years of making you know back in 2016 we uh we had a conversation with uh, a person here at the west st paul community center he was head of rec services or on the rec committee and uh talking about the expansion of how west st paul's growing and it's like hey do you have room for for tennis uh, as part of your growth and he said i'll put a proposal together we'll present to council we'll see what happens and Lo and behold, seven years later, uh, after putting that proposal together, a lot of fundraising, a lot of government support, uh, federal and provincial. Uh, here we are. We're at a brand new facility. I think it's it's honestly, judging from the feedback from the players and the coaches that have been here already since Wednesday, they're just saying, you know, I think this is phenomenal, especially for this level, for a challenger level. So uh, they're so happy to be here and, and uh, to be a part of this pretty much grand opening that we're having on, on Thursday, a celebration that's part of this whole tournament. That, that's... Give us, the, uh, give us the, the 411 on this place before the grand opening. I mean, uh, how many courts? Is there indoor and outdoor? Obviously, you don't have a long summer season. Uh, uh-huh. And when, I guess I'll ask a little bit more about what it means for tennis, but the actual facility that people will see this week when they come out for the tourney, um, what, uh, what's been put together? Yeah, so the existing uh, facility has uh, the, the outdoor hockey rink, gymnasium, all of that that a community center would have. And it's like so nicely kept, so clean and tidy. So the operations team here is doing a fantastic job. So being a part of it, I mean, yeah, the, the, the standard is high and we have five courts. We have stadium seating, uh, ample room for growth. They've given us an abundance of uh, of uh, land here to develop as needed and uh, we can fit easily up to 12 14 outdoor courts not saying we'll do that because i don't think we'd need that much but i think ultimately to have six uh, six or eight outdoor courts 
where we can have the even bigger international professional events. That's the goal. We want to have some mini tennis courts as well for the youngsters and for the seniors to come and play on, on mini tennis courts. And then uh, the big picture here is to uh, to put in four covered courts. I mean, I'll just give you, uh, as you said, like tennis as much as it's a summer sport, but here in this province, you know how our seasons are. It, it's an indoor sport. I mean, the programming and all that is during the school season from September till May or so. Uh, that's when you, you, you do all the tennis programming. And so we definitely in this province, in this city, we need, we need indoor courts. So our ratio right now, we have one uh, indoor court for every 75,000 people. The ratio for similar climates around the world is one for every 10,000. So one for every 10,000 versus us, one for every 65. So we're that, or 75, we're 65,000 uh, behind the eight ball on this one. So we desperately need indoor courts, and we have room to do that. Well, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, exciting. And I'd imagine, you know, having a, a, a location like this in West St. Paul, a little bit outside of the city, um, but, you know, a growing area, um, tons of potential both for the sport, but also, um, you know, as a rec facility um, in an area that I don't want to say is underserved, but certainly, I mean, the more an area grows, the more demands there is on uh, rec spaces and facilities. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the brand new courts and around 4,000 brand new homes that have just popped up like mushrooms. It's, it's unbelievable. And I knew I saw the master plan for West St. Paul, and that's why this was a perfect fit. And outside the city, it's one street outside the perimeter, basically. We're right on, on Main and, and the perimeter, right by the cloverleaf. I can throw a, a tennis ball to, to that cloverleaf. We're that close. So um, they're putting in proper roads. And, and, I mean, we have a gravel road that accesses partially right now. But, I mean... Uh, by spring of next year, once the, the frost lifts, we'll have a proper road accessing. And, and it's just nice to be part of this growth. As I look around here, I, I mean, we're going to grow with the community. And, and it's a very diverse community as well. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, we've had so many people stop by during construction to see what's happening. And me, of course, lobbying and doing my sales pitch to get rackets in kids' hands. And that's the future. And looking at this community, I mean, there's so many kids. And there's, there's three schools right, right in the area. And West St. Paul uh, School already signed up to do programs in September and October and then continue again in May outdoor here so um, yeah we're it's a fantastic situation and honestly uh, from downtown from Portage in Maine it is a 15-minute drive and I know because I do it every day so it is a 15-minute drive from from Portage in Maine yeah no I mean certainly not uh, not far off and and you know I I guess I would imagine this is probably a growing trend in Canada. I mean, huge for Manitoba tennis to get better and greater facilities right now. Yeah, it, but it I mean, is. when you look at when you look at tennis in Canada, you talk about all those young kids you're trying to get a racket in. I mean, unlike any before in Canadian history, do we have multiple top young players that are, you know, that we're able to see on the tube later on in the round, not just in a qualifier. And I mean, we can go to Chapo and Felix and Layla and Bianca. I mean, there's just a long list of young Canadian talent. And I imagine that is stoking the fire of this sport at a grassroots level. Uh, you know, it certainly makes my job easier marketing the sport. I mean, when you see their faces and they're marketable players, they're really nice personalities. They're great people. I got a chance. Actually, Felix, Layla and... Bianca, they all played here in this tournament. We had a combined women's and men's event in the, in, in the past, and they all passed through here. If you look at our alumni, I mean, it's, it's the who's who list of, of great tennis players right now. But, yes, those, they're, 
their success on court, them being on TV, is making it so much easier for me to sell the sport, and 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 especially with tennis. I mean, tennis is a non-contact sport. It is. Uh, it's a great lifestyle. It's it's a physically demanding sport, but I mean, it, it's it's one that you know. You try to. You have to be really super fit to play, or you don't have to be. It could be anything you want it to be. You, if you want to just go hit casually, you know, once a week, go ahead and do it. And you can do it on your own terms, on your own time. You don't have to be a slave to team schedules and things like that. And you know, and that appeals to a lot of people. Especially, I know people are on the go and 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 schedules. I mean, tight and times are are at a premium for some parents with working and everything. So tennis fits in nicely and, and, and can be, like I said, whatever you want it to be. So these players are helping us uh, get kids uh, playing the sport. Now, uh, Mark Hart's with us from Tennis Manitoba. Um, let's get to the challenger because uh, this is all happening at just a perfect time. I mean, the grand opening of this you know facility in West St. Paul will be Thursday, but uh, the courts are already, uh, are already welcoming some exciting yeah. young players. Um, for people that didn't even know we had this tournament, I mean, fill people in on what the challenger is, the level of players are. We had a great chat with Alexi Galarno last week, who, of course, went to the final last year, but um, sort of laid it out. I mean, there's there's a lot of players in this tournament that we'll be hearing more about in the future, and some that we've heard about their name very significantly in the past. Yeah, it's a great point. So, I mean, the, the players, are, they're using this as a warm-up for the U.S. Open in New York, and actually... Our final this year is on a Saturday. Usually finals are on Sundays, but because it's the week before the U.S. Open, uh, there's a, a pause on all tournament play. All, all tournaments have to be done by Saturday, so players can use the Sunday to travel to New York for the Open, for the U.S. Open. So that's who's playing here. I mean, if I, somebody asked me, you know, what type of player, just like you did, I said, listen, the NHL has approximately six, 700 players uh, in it. If you do it, you know, 20, 25 players per team. So these players are ranked between 70 and, and 250 in the world. So these are all second-line players, if, if you want to break it down that way. Second, third-line players. And, uh, I mean, guys that have made the the quarterfinals and semifinals of majors that might be coming off of an injury that they picked up and are using these these warm-up tournaments to, uh, to to get into main draws of the big slams. So uh, it's absolutely, I mean, if you ask any of the players, even the top guys, the difference between one and 101 is minimal. It's, it's, it's a fraction of maybe you lose concentration for a couple minutes and that's the difference in a match. And the skill level is the one thing about tennis. When you see it on TV is one thing, but to see it in person live here in our own backyard, I mean, the incredible athleticism, is 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 so it's normal to watch and and seeing these world class athletes that have done something in the past and are on their way to doing uh, something in the future they're on that pathway so it, it, it's it's fantastic and I'd urge people to come out and check it out and even if you're not a tennis fan or a player guess what you come here and just appreciate athleticism this is a place to do it we uh, we promised Alexi last week on the show that the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew would be would be supporting him. Yeah. Um, fill us in on uh, Canadian and local talent in the uh, in the event, Mark. Sure. So Canadian talent, uh, we we do like you know the Canadian team that we've got, Alexi. I mean, and he's a super guy. That's uh, you probably got from your interview. He, g- genuinely fantastic. Person. Oh, what a great dude! We really enjoyed having him on. Isn't he? Like he's just so he's a rock star here with the girls as well <laughs> and all that. But he's just his personality is is fantastic. Uh, I uh, and and this is how it seems like the t- the Canadian players. I mean, for the most part, like they they've been 
taught how to do it properly. I know the coaches, I get to know the national team coaches that travel with them and, and working with them. You can tell that they're instilling, you know what, we don't only want just good players, we want good citizens here. You guys are ambassadors for the Maple Leafs. You behave properly and you can tell, Alexi, prime example, Felix, amazing. And uh, there's another one, Gabe Diallo, he's on his way. He just won a challenger level uh, tournament. He, he won one actually last year. Alexi won uh, in Granby uh, a couple of weeks ago. But all these players that are part of the system, part of the pipeline, fantastic players, and they're all here in the Canadian contingency. We've got about seven, eight players that are, are playing here, some really young ones. I'm going to say Keegan Rice from Saskatchewan, from Regina, Saskatchewan. Played junior Wimbledon, played Australian junior, and he's here. It's his first pro event. Unfortunately, he didn't qualify for the main uh, for the main draw. But I mean, he's very close. I mean, flip a coin, he could have won his match, and he'd be uh, uh, playing in the main draw. So uh, the talent is here. You know what? The talent is definitely here. And and if you want to come support the Canadians and see Canadians in action in the future of tennis for Canada, it's all right here in our own backyard. Well, it's funny you mentioned Diallo. I actually watched his uh, win last week at the uh, right. Rogers Cup. And you could just yeah. tell. I mean, it's just another guy. I'd never heard of him. And I'm like, oh, my God, here's another incredibly talented young Canadian that we'll be talking about in the future. Mark, what do people need to know? If people are sort of like, oh, you know, this National Bank Challenger sounds awesome. I'd love to come out and see some high-level tennis. First of all, fill people in on exactly where they go, how they get tickets, and uh, when the matches are for uh, for spectators. Sure, thanks. Yeah, you just you know, simply Google Winnipeg National Bank Challenger. It'll come up. All the information's there. Uh, you can buy tickets at the door. You can buy them ahead of time online. We've got the uh, the the link there. But uh, just walk up to the door, the good old-fashioned way. Tap your card, and uh, you're in. It's 25 bucks for the day, 11 o'clock till 8 o'clock. So you've got all that that action. We've got great food here as well. We've got local breweries here that are supplying coffee and 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 beverages and uh again easy access we've got ample parking at the at the facility here uh 48 holland road it's the access center in west st paul 48 holland road and then attached to it is our beautiful facility the national bank tennis hub uh come and uh, basically matches go 11 till 8 each day final will be as i stated on uh on saturday probably at 12 noon Singles final followed by a doubles final, which would be about one thirty, uh, two o'clock, and same price for the finals, twenty five dollars. Mark, I got to ask you this uh, on a personal level. I've known you for a long time. I've known how passionate you are. Have been uh, you've been for tennis, um, and you've what, but ten around years or so there. You've been the executive director of, uh, of yeah. Tennis Manitoba. How uh, how rewarding is this week for you in particular, knowing how much you've worked to build and grow a professional event here, and obviously to have this beautiful new facility? Yeah, you know what? It's it's one of those things because they're so busy. Like these last three months, getting the facility ready. I was here like every day, helping with some decisions on the construction. Helped actually draw this place out as well with the great architectural team that we had. But I mean, to see it happen, you're so involved in it. And my wife just says like do you like take a step back and like enjoy for one minute at least what's happening? I said, you know what, there's no time right now. And I'm just so happy that we can provide this and have this opportunity for the kids, for the, for the seniors, for the adults, just for the community in general. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it is satisfying as I sit here looking around and it's such a long time in the making and it's so overdue. And it, it, 
I mean, you see other centers in Canada and in the States and where, wherever you travel have facilities. And finally, we have. And, and again, it's, it's all due respect to everything that we do have in place right now. We, we have amazing facilities, uh, existing clubs that have history and all of that. But this is just an added uh, option for players to play. And uh, I'm just thankful we had a great, great team here. And it's not one person doing it. It's so many people involved behind the scenes and making this whole thing happen. Great board members in the past and present and, and West St. Paul Council, like their their mayors and, and the operations team here at the Access Center. Again, it, they say it takes a village. This was a village to build this thing, and, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Well, it's the Winnipeg National Bank Challenger underway and uh, going right through until the finals on Saturday out at the new Tennis Manitoba Hub, Tennis Manitoba Hub at West St. Paul. Mark, I know you like this question. This will be the last one because, again, you know, we're focusing on the big tournament. Um, but if you've got a couple kids that, yeah. you know, like watching it on TV and haven't tried it before, um, where do people go to find out more about getting involved in the sport? Yeah, go to TennisManitoba.com uh, and all the information is there. We have links to all of our member clubs where they have fantastic programs we have links to things that we are doing programs that we're doing at community centers uh so it's easy to access and you know what for 25 bucks you can buy a good tennis racket a can of balls for, for five dollars and you're on your way to playing i mean uh, public access courts like this one we just bought i mean it's uh, it's quite simple to get involved but yeah go to tennismanitoba.com and, and all the information is there my phone number is there call me and ask me the questions and i'll point you in the right direction mark good luck with everything congratulations on getting to the finish line with the uh, with the facility um Thanks. and great luck uh, with the event I mean, it's always a highlight of the tennis here here in the province yeah. and uh i don't expect it to be any different um as we get going today thanks so much for the time and have a great week thanks for having me take care it was nice talking to you all right so attorney uh, qualies finish today first round goes tomorrow I'm pulling for Alexi Gallardo. He joined us last week. Really, really nice young man. And uh, of course, he's won one of the event these events this year. Got to the final last year in Winnipeg. Uh, but there'll be some really, really good talent. Like David Goffin, he was former t- top 10 player in the world. Wild that he's here. Um, and again, great news for tennis with this new uh, this new facility out in West St. Paul. Um, couple things. We're going to get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Really sad news out of uh, out of uh, the the hockey world, uh, which we'll touch on. But um, by the way, this is another save the date. Just working on another sports trivia night with our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Uh, gonna get details for tickets and reserving your spots. But save the date, folks. September thirteenth, Wednesday. Believe that is going to be the next date that we do our third sports trivia night we've had so much fun with everyone that's come out and uh and it should we should be able to use the patio again like we did last year for the first one at little brown jug so mark that down of course we're going to do the bond reviewing party on friday night but september 13th looking to be our next trivia night and i'll have details in the coming days for all of that of course if you haven't been down to little brown jug on william avenue it's a perfect reason to come Try all the great Little Brown Jug beers, including our summer favorite, the new generic lager. Pick up your favorites, and especially right now with uh, some stock issues and a lot of liquor marts, 
A great way to support local breweries is to pop down in person. You can do that little brown jug on William Avenue. And of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, congratulations to Lucas Glover, who went back to back on the PGA Tour. Might he be in the Ryder Cup conversation? Possibly. Uh, they're getting to the BMW Championship this the week and then the Tour Championship next week with the top 30. Of course, all of our golf reports on WST brought to you by Breezy Bend. If you're looking for an incredible long-term golfing home for you and your family at one of Manitoba's top private courses, Breezy's the spot. Give a call to the clubhouse or go on to breezybend.ca for more information about getting on the 2024 waiting list from our pal, Corey Johnson. And, you know, I talked about this right off the bat. What a weekend for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Reggie Abercrombie's jersey retired on Friday night. And in celebration of Reggie, uh, the bats came to play. Multiple home runs. 16-6, the Fish won. They won also at the Bark of the Park night. Couldn't complete the sweep yesterday, but still a great, great uh, evening. Team's out on the road for this week. They'll be back next week for some more games. And uh, in the meantime, you can go to goldeyes.com to uh, plan your next outing to see the Fish. And shout out to Max Murphy, who is the hitter of the week in the American Association, as announced earlier today. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. Of course, last weekend was my favorite weekend of the year, getting out there with Pitt and the gang. Uh, if you're thinking about uh, a world-class fly-in fishing trip for next season, Aikens booking well into 2024 right now. Find out more online at AikensLake.com about the Aikens experience. Um, we, uh, we'll get to a Sinaway Downs picks in a minute. We'll get to cool bet lines, but, uh, Rio, this is just really, really sad. This has kind of popped on Twitter over the course of the last hour or so from, uh, Dan Milstein, one of the agents that deals with a lot of uh, Russian players, but, um, young player in the leaf system who had been battling cancer for the last couple of years has unfortunately lost his battle. Yeah, this is incredibly sad. Uh, Rodion Amarov, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, passing, he's died at the age of 21. Dan Milstein announcing 15th overall selection in the 2020 draft by Toronto. Was diagnosed with brain cancer in uh, 2021. And just an outpouring of support on Twitter and social media from you know teammates, people within the organization. Uh, that is incredibly uh, incredibly sad uh, story here to, to read about. It's on the front page of, I'm reading tsn.ca right now. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, thoughts to to, to everyone um, affected. You know, they were hoping that he'd be able to come back and maybe, you know, resume his playing career, but obviously, um, you know, gone and just way, way too soon. A really, really sad story today. Um, all right, let's get over to the cool bet lines and a little bit of a quieter night. We're a few weeks away from having Monday Night Football, but, oh, I cannot wait for it. Uh, you can dive in, though, to NFL Futures right now at CoolBet. This is a great time to kind of kick those around and maybe make a couple wagers that you can follow throughout the year. Uh, no surprise that two conference winners last year are the favorites going into this season. The Chiefs plus 335 to win the AFC and the Eagles plus 270 to win the NFC. You can also bet on to be the number one seed and get the bye. Chiefs plus 250 to do that. Eagles 
plus 275 to do that. You've got division winner odds as well. And of course, over-unders on every team in the National Football League and a bunch of wild player props. So go through all those over at Cool Bet. We'll definitely be kicking around a number of those on upcoming episodes of The Lock Shop, which returns tomorrow with my guy Dustin Nielsen at noon, just before we go live with Winnipeg Sports Talk at 1 o'clock. And again, the Blue Jays off tonight, back at it tomorrow. Um, about uh, about a dozen games, or actually about nine games tonight in the National, uh, in Major League Baseball, but no Blue Jays tonight. Speaking of the Blue Jays, Remo, uh, they salvaged something out of their series against the Cubs with a win yesterday. But what a uh, what an awesome, awesome presentation they did for uh, Joey Bats, who retired a Blue Jay on the weekend. Yeah, it was a weekend for Hall of Fame inductions, number retirements. Reggie Abercrombie here uh, is following Felix Hernandez in the Mariners Hall of Fame also on Saturday. But the Joey Bats ceremony loved seeing some of the former players there. And some names, you know, maybe you, you haven't thought of for a while, but were pretty good. Edwin Encarnacion highlighting the Lacito Gaston there, Ryan Goins, uh, Justin Smoke, Adam Lind. Devin Gibby Travis. was out there too, wasn't he? Who? Gibby. Yeah, uh, Gibby was there. Russell Martin. Um, just awesome. And we had so many great memories following uh, that Jays team that went to the ALCS. And Jose Bautista, like I remember when he was acquired by Pittsburgh, and he was a decent guy. He had some some pop. He'd play third and outfield, but transformed his swing and became you know one of the greatest hitters in Blue Jays history. He hit, what, over four, 50 homers in a season. I mean, he was uh, he was incredible and uh, pretty cool to see him honored. They did the the bat flip mural. I mean, one of the most iconic uh, moments in Blue Jays history. Um, it's just a great ceremony and brought back a lot of uh, fun memories. I know the the line for the bobblehead us was like hours long. You had to line up way before to get that bobblehead. Yeah, that is a uh, that that is a famous one, and I was there for that game where they did the Vlad bobblehead for Game Two of the regular season. Oh yeah, I had no idea how early you had to get there to get one of those things. It's uh, here you got you got to pay your dues. I lined up. I went to the Ken Griffey Hall of Fame ceremony in Seattle with my wife, and I made her line up early, and I got the Griffey Hall of Fame. What time? How, how, how far, how early did you get there? Oh, I think we had to get there at least an hour before the doors. Like, I have a picture of the line. It was crazy, and we got one, and I wanted to go the next day for the Hall of Fame plaque giveaway, but we, we didn't do that one. We did the bobblehead. She put in her time. Uh, so I have the Griffey Hall of Fame bobblehead, but we had to, We got, I think it got at least an hour before the door opens. Speaking of bobbleheads, there's the Reggie Abercrombie bobblehead. That's a nice bobble. That's nice. It is really good. That's I'll, sweet. You know I'll have to take this out of the uh, out of the package and put it out. It looks amazing. Reggie was so fired up at how lifelike the thing was. Um, all right, I know you got a kid to pick up. Let's get to uh, let's get to our picks because uh, the ponies are back at the downs tonight. Post time is seven thirty p.m. A full slate of live racing and. That means we've got some picks as our head-to-head. We are. It is very close right now, uh, folks. Uh, after I was way behind early on, I've sort of caught fire in the past couple of weeks, although I was over on Wednesday. Uh, but it is time 
to get to our picks tonight. Um, Remus, I do have some action in race one, actually. Uh, do you? I do, I believe. Let me pull it up. Race one. No, maybe race I one. don't. I, I, I've got a, uh, oh, I've got no. a triactor I, in race one. I just went for straight winners today. I, I got a couple triactors. I'm going number two, Valid Defense, which is the favorite. Number four <laughs> is Shotgun One. And then I'm throwing in a bit of a longer shot, or actually, I guess, the longest shot on the board, All-Terrain Jane. Amazing name, All-Terrain Jane. All-Terrain, so that four, is a good five, name. There's, uh, did you do All-Terrain Jane and Sugar Daddy Jack in the same one, or, <laughs> or no? I I, uh, I I didn't actually look at Sugar Daddy Jack. Sugar Daddy Jack actually has a couple decent results at six furlongs earlier this year, but uh, Sugar Daddy Jack did not get it. I'm going with All Terrain Jane. I'm going with. Uh... Oh no, I don't have this race. Sorry, I, it said never mind. I don't have this race. Race sounds one. good. Okay, I'm. I don't have any other picks until race five. Okay, I got race two. Going with Pucker to win. These are all five dollar bets. Got to pick Pucker, right? Nicely done. Nicely done. And I'm on race. Oh no! And then I'm not until race five. Okay, number five. I'm just going with number eight, Mighty Frisky to win. Mighty Frisky. Okay, uh, that was race five. In race five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, that's number eight, and I'm on race. Six. I'm picking horse. Oh no, I'm on race five. I'm going with never had I ever. Sorry, never had I ever. Great name. Sounds good. You Sounds play good. That? Okay, moving on. Moving on to race six. <laughs> I am. I'm going to go with the triactor box, and I am not including the nine to five favorite. It, this one seems to be all over the place, but I am going with number three, lipstick lady. That is a good one. I number five. Artisan Dancer. Yeah. And number six, Maybella. Yeah. Three, five, six on my triactor. Yes. I'm on Maybella to win. You would know that happened. I won on Maybella last time. So gotta gotta go back to it. And there it is, a winner. Look how many times Maybella won. Two won two of the last three. Yeah. Maybella. Didn't you tell is, someone to bet Maybella last time and they did? Yep. And someone texted you? Yeah, we got some love from uh, from the picks. I've had a few of those texts as of late. So uh, now uh -oh. um, pressure's on. Final race, final race. I'm going with a one six eight triactor. One is gone somewhere. Eight silver maker, and number six is looking high. So uh, one six eight in, and then I think I just put a little sprinkle down, a little bonus bet on looking high. To win, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go with uh, looking high. I'm debating. I don't know why I wouldn't, but I went. I'm doing gone somewhere. I like the number one horse in this twelve in this twelve horse field. Although two are scratched, so it's now ten. Uh, I think maybe a bit of an advantage there with one. You don't have so many on each side of you. So I'll go with gone somewhere. There you go. All right, folks. Uh, hey, if you are staying at home, you can watch the races. Live on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel. And Kirk and Stretch do a great job, 6.45 every night, giving you the full rundown of uh, what to expect and their picks, which are often very good, certainly better than mine. 
and of course you can head on down there free parking free admission great night gorgeous day today it's what 25 26 today perfect night to get out to the track if you don't have plans already if you're not going to raw um by the way i meant to do this a little earlier but we'll finish off with the why not question of the day for not autocorp overly at waverly and mcgillivray um what uh when it comes to the Bombers quarterback situation, does it make sense to maybe give Zach Caleros a little bit of extra time off? I mean, if he was a game-time decision, would you play him this week or would you give him a little bit of extra time and go at it with Drew Brown? Keep in mind, these games are very important. Um, you know, the, you, you have to keep pace with the British Columbia Lions to get ready for that October 6th game to make it for the Western Division. So, I mean, winning is important, but do you have that much confidence in Drew Brown that you might be able to give Zach an extra little bit of rest? Let us know in the chat. I've enjoyed the takes on the Bombers quarterback situation all along. Of course, why not question of the day is for not Autocorp. And uh, what about you, Reem? Do you think that um, that is something that, I mean, if it comes down to it, the Bombers can afford to be cautious with their quarterback considering what Drew Brown did against Edmonton? Well, I think we got to see what Drew Brown can do because if you're going to be trading uh, Zach and making Drew Brown the starter for the rest of the year, then, yeah, we want to see, like, yeah, it's one thing to go up against Edmonton and pace them, but they're the worst team in the league. Like, let's see him against a slightly better team who's also not a great team in in Calgary. So, uh, in all seriousness, I think it... I think they can afford to be cautious, and it seems like they're being extra cautious. I, I wonder if, you know, what was that? The first game last year when he got hurt, I felt like, you know, if the spotter, you know, didn't catch him, maybe he would have would have played, and maybe in a different era, you know, they would play. But um, you got to protect your health, and, I, you know, I agree, definitely agree with that. And we know Zach is certainly a gamer, but... Uh, you know, maybe let's get another look at Drew Brown and see what he can do. So if, look, the Bombers need to make sure they are 100% healthy in November. And if this allows them to do that, then, like, you can take a week off and gear up for uh, the home game against Calgary next week. Yeah, all I'll say, all I'll say is this. Um, you know, you, you want to win the game. Zach Hilaris's health is of number one concern. But if he is good to go, I'm playing him. Um, I know everyone's fallen in love with Drew Brown because of the rally that he spurred last week. Again, I don't want to diminish it, but I also don't want to take too much from it. Zach Caleros has been the MOP of this league for the last two seasons. Looks very good, along with Chad Kelly, to be right in the mix for that award again this season. I think if he wants to play, he feels like he can play. He's the guy and you play him, and uh, you do your best to make sure you're giving yourself the best shot, shot to win. However, it's very, very nice that the confidence levels are as high in the backup as they are, because I certainly don't think that was the case going into uh, into last week, despite what Drew Brown did last year against Ottawa. Um, just before we go, who's going to Raw tonight? See, there's quite a few people. I see Schickster's going. Jeff Cabellas. I'm sure... I'm sure well, Kabilis will be there, of course. Ishaboy Bruce. Anybody else? It should be good. I haven't actually got the um I haven't got the full card yet. 
But uh, it's always cool when the WWE comes to town. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, the tag team champs, were at the Tigers game on the weekend. Uh, guests of the Detroit Tigers, and they had they were in a suite or a box, and they had the, the belts hanging down over. Uh, and I would imagine, though, that uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be here for the Canadian crowd. Man, I had a good time interviewing KO when uh, they came around a few years ago, back when we were still on Pemina Highway. I'm just checking out Twitter. And first of all, I love that the televised events are, you know, we had SmackDown last year, and now Raw, we had AEW back in March. But okay, Trish Stratus tweeting out an hour ago that she's going to be taking on Becky Lynch. That She's back, Trish Tr Stratus, nice. the legend. Dude, Trish is back, and she is still bringing the heat. And here's Cody Rhodes tweeting about an hour ago as well. Turn the Jets warehouse into a staging area. Big crowd for Raw in Winnipeg. Haven't wrestled here in forever. And uh, here's Cody Rhodes tweeting out a Cody Rhodes Funko and <laughs> some cups. And then this is a nice look of backstage. As you can see, the Jets aviator, or sorry, the reverse retro jerseys there. And there's some belts. What is the, What are these red belts that he's posting? That must be the Raw the raw championship belt that you can buy or no that looks like a weight belt doesn't it's like it? a weight yeah they're like weight belt oh okay maybe that's some new merch thing that they're selling to kids i don't know i'll see what else like what other info i can find I just did a quick search i'm not going to raw tonight i got a playoff hockey game and i already missed a playoff game for steve Vai on thursday so uh i don't want to double up and be like oh i got another event so i don't want to be that guy I I miss a lot of games. I like to play, and I don't want to be that guy who signs up for a team and just doesn't doesn't show huge up. Huge missed, huge missed opportunity for you to bring uh, bring out your uh, kids' WWE Championship belt that you bought um, a few years back at the uh, at the wrestling event when we were there. It's our buddy Gregory and uh, and uh, Ezzy from Illegal Curve. Yeah, here here it is. Uh, <laughs> my kids. My kid's championship belt. Now I can give it to my own uh, son, but I did buy this at an event here, and uh, no regrets on my end, although my wife will be like, what the hell are you doing? But uh, that's okay. I always wanted one of these Evans when I was a four kid. Yet. Evans four yet. Can we now start He's getting four. him into WWE? Like, he goes to bed at 7, so like I, I can't, I'm not taking him to any events, and I think he would think it's too loud. So, But as far as watching on uh, TV... you got to start PVRing it. Um, showing it. I'm very interested. I want to know what his yeah, initial reaction know. is to wrestling. I'm not sure if he would be into it. I think I'm try like I'm trying, but he's into what he's into. Um, I know when I was you start getting into power bombs, like you yeah. know, in the pool, like it opens up so much more horsing around and roughhousing opportunities with uh, with kids. Like when I was. Um... Like, when I was that age, I was very into wrestling, but, like, I'm trying to think about it now. Like, there wasn't a lot going on, like, when I was a kid. Now there's just too much stuff, too many toys. Like, you can watch anything anytime you want. Like, we used to put in a VHS tape to watch, or to watch, and, like, there were, like, CDs. And you can just listen to any song with your voice. Like, there's too much stuff for, for kids, so I'm, I'm worried that they're not going to be into the same things. Maybe you need to go old school wrestlers. Remember those wrestling figures that were, like, stretchy? Yeah. Those stretch wrestlers, like I think maybe that's how you introduce him to it, and then he becomes the uh, appreciative of the art of pro wrestling.
Yeah, well, my mom's got all my old wrestling figures at my parents, so I got I got all the good ones like Virgil over there. So maybe I'll introduce him Virgil. to the to the Virgil action figure. Yeah, I got a Virgil. That's where it's worth a lot of dollars these days. Leighton Janis, Paw Patrol versus WWE. <laughs> That's the battle. That's the battle that will be waged at some point soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> And Giovanni uh, Flirrell going VHS. What's that? Never heard of it. Like, how, like, is he like a twenty-year-old? Stop age shaming us, Giovanni. Yeah. Stop age shaming us. Is Giovanni <laughs> a twenty-year-old kid or a four-year-old guy making <laughs> making jokes? Because, uh, like, if you're, like, if you're twenty, like, yeah, I guess you probably wouldn't know what. Uh, like, what was that Jets? video they put over like show members of the jets old technology and they don't know what it is like a floppy disk that was funny that, that was, was yeah <laughs> that was rough that was rough man that made you feel old uh folks uh good stuff today though uh coming up tomorrow is mike jumping on tomorrow i haven't worried the schedule got all messed up last week with people being out of town and long weekend so we'll talk after and see what's up with mike it would be perfect to have mike tomorrow because he also is an appreciate is a, a a big fan of the WWE, yes. and I would be shocked if he isn't there. And by the way, I know Panky's here. Here's a little bit of breaking news. Here's 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 an insider tip. I'm not going to say exactly when this is, but I have it on on good authority that AEW is going to be coming back to Winnipeg. What? I don't know when. Yeah, you heard it. You heard what? it from me, me first. Okay, wait, a come little, on. A little birdie, a little birdie told me on insider. the weekend that, um, it, yeah, this is this is an actual insider tip. Whoa. We you, are going to be seeing AEW back in Winnipeg in the future. you tweet that or just say uh, it on here? Well, no, no, that's a WST exclusive. Whoa. WST exclusive. Are we going to go? For the people that hang around to the end of the show, they get the inside track. Yeah, damn right we're going to go. Well, this is the best. Awesome. Everyone knows that this is the best part of the show, uh, (laughs) the the end, where there are no rules. I did want to give a shout-out. We didn't mention this. Kale McCarr, named as the cover athlete of NHL 24. I thought that this is a year too late. Um, They should have done it last year after he was the con Smythe. I guess he was too busy, and they went with the Zegris... Sarah Nurse cover, so I mean, I don't know. I, like, is Kale McCarr like a marketable? I mean, he's an awesome guy, but is he a marketable player? Like, I don't even know what is what he sounds like, or like, I could well, you pick Kale McCarr out of a police lineup? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I could I, for sure. I think um, I could. Listen, he's incredible, but here's the thing, and I mean, I um, and I know that he very clearly stated right off the bat that he was not at that Hockey Canada event in London. Like, oh, was well. not in London at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think every single player, like, until that is, you know, the report comes out, they announce what happened, we know who it was, every single player on that team is under a little bit of a cloud. Now, right off the bat, as I said, Kale McCarr said, I was not at the event, like, was not even there. So, I mean, and that's so easy to fact check. Um, we know that he wasn't. So, I mean, I guess that's part of the reason why he's been able to just concentrate on things going forward. But that has been. I've been expecting a Friday news dump on that for the last three weeks or so, Remus, and that still has not been made public. You wonder when that's going to happen. Yeah, I saw like Bill Daly commented the other day that it wasn't anytime soon, but you're kind of expecting like a Friday at 4 p.m., in the summer, and oh, here it is. Katie Strang tweeting out last week, asked whether the NHL will announce any resolution 
on the 2018 World Junior investigation prior to NHL training camps opening. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly said via email he does not have a specific timetable to share at this time. So, uh, yeah, and comment just saying, just to make this very crystal clear, is McCart yeah. implicated? No. I mean, obviously, it's an accusation that a number of members on that team were involved in, you know, in, you know, a sexual assault. Um, Kale McCarr very quickly when the news came out of when this happened, it was surrounding a holiday. Uh, there was a gala for uh, Hockey Canada in London. Um, he didn't make that event. He was not part of it. He was not in London. So I think he's been very clear right from the get-go that he was not involved. And that's big for one of the faces of the league. I mean, I think most of the players that had the opportunity to publicly disavow being involved have, but you never know whether it's all on the up and up. But as far as Makar goes, I mean, if you're lying, uh, don't say you weren't even in London at the time when you're at it. I mean, that would have been debunked very, very quickly. So um, Kale Makar, as far as I'm concerned, has absolutely nothing to worry about is moving forward. And obviously EA felt good enough. Is there any que- if there was any question about the veracity of him telling the truth, he wouldn't be the cover guy for EA Sports' um, new NHL game. And there is some new news on that game, right, Reem? It's going to be uh, cross-platform? Yeah, cross-platform for the EASHL. So, you know, it's always annoying when you try to play and, like, it's like oh, do you have PlayStation? Oh, I have Xbox? Oh, we can't play together. Um, now you can. So uh, I might have to upgrade. I'm on PS4, and... Well, that's pretty getting pretty old, so I'm going to have to upgrade to either PS5 or uh, the new Xbox. So I got, I'm going to have some decisions to make, maybe around Black Friday. So I we'll... will find out, ever since I got this computer for this show, like mm-hmm. a good sort of screaming, a streaming gaming computer, I pretty much stick to Steam for most of it. It's fun. I mean, obviously, if I wanted to do streaming. I did record a bunch of my uh, late-night matches on OBS this uh this weekend, Revo, maybe we'll put together some highlights or a few clips of it. I did end a match with an Aussie guy with a hole out wow. on the ninth hole. It was a, it was a big, big moment in my PGA 2K23 career. Well, I've been saying forever that we just need to do a show like one day like this in the summer where we just play PGA against each other and just do the show, <laughs> do the show. Like that's that. got to be a separate show because I mean I know you get fixated with the video part, but mm, as many people listen on the podcast, and I have a feeling listening to us, like the uh, the audio version of a videos game stream probably sucks. Oh yeah, that probably <laughs> wouldn't work. But yeah, that part probably wouldn't work. But we would do the show normally, but it would just be we would just be taking shots. So. <laughs> We'll see. Well, as I say, I'm I'm ready to go. I uh, cleaned up a few things. I got my OBS working again. I was testing out some stuff on the weekend, so uh, I'm back. And if any of you are Steam uh, PGA 2K23 players, I'm ready to take on all comers after waxing a guy from Texas and waxing a guy from Australia on the weekend. My my Whoa. confidence levels are high right now. I'll have to fire it up. I think <laughs> it'll be good. Uh, which edition of the golf game is PGA 2K23? Um, it was the Golf Club 2019, which I became obsessed with during the pandemic. Uh, and then the HB Studio guys, which, by the way, are from like Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. It's a wild, wild story. Oh, I've been there. They got really? 
It's like, uh, yeah, Luna, it's like the it's small like 3, town people. where the yeah. Blue Nose is there, is it not? Uh, I, I can't, rep- I mean, I don't know. I've never been there. I just know the HB Studios is from there. Man, yeah, Blue Nose too in Lunenburg. Yeah, I went there. We were traveling around. We went to see Peggy's Cove and all that. And we're like, oh, let's go to Luna. Yeah, there's like one street there. And that's where PGA is? Um, that Well, th- that's where HB Studios are that make this game. Because they, Crazy. the thing with the golf club technology was that they made the course designer that was sort of the thing that made this game so cool and then you could create new courses and people have made and i think if you go right now you want to play breezy bend or elmhurst or pine ridge i mean those courses have been made and you can play them uh and then anyways pga got involved or the 2k got involved and i think they basically got those guys to make 2k 21 and then they came out with a newer version, 2K23, which has a bunch more players and a bunch more things you can do. Anyway, I love it. It's definitely my go-to game. So, yeah, if you're on Steam, I'm Hustlerama, and uh, 2K23 is the game. It's probably on a, it's probably on sale right now too because it's it was, been out for a little while. It was free on PS, you know, PS4, PlayStation. Like the last, I don't know if it's this month or last month. They have free games every month, and that's, that was one of them. So. I mean, I already had it on Steam and picked it up on PlayStation as well. So, it's we- worth it's totally worth it. The game is is amazing. So, anyways, check that out and get back to me if you want to uh, if you want to throw down tomorrow. We're actually going to talk a little basketball. Alex Adams is going to join us. He's been following Canada's national team with all this incredible NBA talent before they head to Jakarta, Indonesia for the tournament, and he's going to go as well. So we're going to have Alex on for the first time tomorrow, and then we'll have a little bit of an international WST correspondent at that World Cup event for Canada. Really looking forward to seeing what SGA and Jamal Murray look like in the backfield, or in the backcourt, I should say. Exciting times for Canadian hoops, that is for sure. Um, Everyone going to Raw, have a good time tonight. Qualifiers finish out at the uh, Tennis Manitoba Hub in West St. Paul. And then tomorrow, the full draw gets going. So if you're a tennis fan, great time to get out and check out what they've got going on. Obviously, National Bank doing some big support of tennis here in Manitoba with that with that uh, location. And, of course, that event coming off the Sinner, uh, uh, Yannick Sinner and uh, Jesse Pagula winning the uh, Rogers Cup events in Canada this week. But uh, <laughs> tomorrow, more on the Bombers, Zach Caleros' status, a little bit of more Jets offseason talk, and we will talk a little Canada basketball. Okay, one more thing. I, you just mentioned the Rogers Cup or whatever, the National what, National Bank Open now. That's uh, the clip of the weekend. National Bank Open is here. No, that's National the Bank Rogers Challenger. Cup just finished. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But... Um, the clip of them, the rally where Cotton Eye Joe played, I sent that to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Can I just play that here? This was. Yeah, you can play it at the end. I know of the show. I'm Why delaying the, the show. I know I'm delaying the, delaying the end. Uh, this was, yeah, Pagula and Swatek were in this match, and what? They're rallying on a tiebreaker, and all of a sudden. Kind of a big point. Yeah, kind of a big point. And. <laughs> I like I couldn't stop laughing about this. I'm still giggling. I know we got to end, but uh, here we'll end with this. This and here's here's how it sounded. Oh wow! 
Cotton Eye Joe just came on mid-rally. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are we in tech? When he goes. <laughs> oh, Cotton Eye Joe has just started playing yeah. during the rally. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. Cotton Eye Joe, <laughs> all songs. Cotton Eye Joe and... Uh, yeah, that's just too funny. Uh, like, could have been any song during there, but they went with, went with Cotton Eye, Cotton Eye Joe, and yeah, um, I yeah. I mean, as they say, that's a big L for the uh, in stadium music guy. One other thing happening, and again, you got to get up in the middle of the night or set your alarms for it. But uh, women's World Cup semis, Sweden and Spain meeting for a spot. And then it's going to be Australia and England. And just a very quick story on the way out. My sister is from Winnipeg, has lived in Australia for a long time. Her partner, Justin, is from England, who's also lived there for a long time. They met there. They've got two young kids who are both Aussies. And they're all going to the England-Australia World Cup semifinal. The entire household, very, very excited. I'm pulling for the Aussies. Hopefully dad will go home frustrated and everybody else will be happy, but um, that should be excellent, and we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll touch on that tomorrow for sure. I guess the next day, once we know what the World Cup finals are, <clears throat> Spain is the favorite over Sweden, and England is the favorite over Australia. Uh, the uh, I guess the, yeah, Spain, Sweden, early tomorrow morning, Aussie, England, early the following morning. Anyways, we got to get the pot up, folks. Enjoy Raw if you're going to it tonight. Great weather outside. Get outside, and we will see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube. Hit that thumbs-up button on the way out if you haven't already, and tell a friend about WST. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my oh! God! for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.